Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show with the best damn news and movies, the John Campia Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm very disappointed these don't make sounds. I am, of course, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege on this great and glorious day to welcome you. Our international friends, as we gather around and talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV streaming, all sorts of good stuff. I'm joined, of course, in the room today by one Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Over there, we got in the live chat, Ray Ora is joining you guys, lurking in the background. We got Taylor. <laughs> Sitting in front of him is producer Jonathan Voiko. Beside him, we got Alu Moana joining us. Then, most importantly... <laughs> You guys are joining us today, and ding dong, the witch is dead, and the return of the king is at hand as Big Papa Iger is returning. We'll get to that in just a little bit. We got a whole bunch of stuff we're going to cover here today, guys, and here's how today's show is going to go. Number one, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics in the first half of the show. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. If you'd like to get a comment or question on the show, two things you got to keep in mind. Number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats, and that will be your chance to fire in your thoughts, theories, and opinions and questions. We just leave the Super Chats open for just a couple of minutes, so make sure you get those in quickly, and we will address those in the second half of the show. Also, a little bit of housekeeping. If you need your daily fix of the John Campion Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, good news, there's an audio-only version of the show creatively called the John Campion Show Podcast. Go ahead and find it on your favorite podcasting app of choice, so it'll be there when you need it. Also, of course, we have a secondary podcast feed, the After Show podcast feed, where we talk about things like Game of Thrones and Andor. We got the big finale coming up this week. So make sure you go and subscribe to that channel as well. All right, guys. As I take the hat off, because it's starting to cut off the circulation to my already oxygen-deprived <laughs> brain. With that down, let's start things off here with a couple of off-the-tops here, shall we? And our first off-the-top is this. Now, you guys know that uh, one of the big movies of the year, a couple of the big movies that we've been looking forward to in the last couple of months has, of course, been Black Adam and Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever. Well, the box office results have come in for this past weekend. Black Adam 2 made close to $70 million, took a 62% drop, which is right around exactly where we... You mean Wakanda Forever. Did I say Black Adam? Yeah, you said sorry, Black what, Adam 2. Oh, sorry. Black, Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever. Uh, took a 62% drop, which we expected. Like we always say, you never want to be over a 60% drop, but that's different when your movie opens to over like $150 million. Uh, again, Spider-Man No Way Home had a 70% drop in, yeah. in its second weekend because everybody's <clears throat> gone to see it already. And of course, Black Panther Wakanda Forever made over $180 million in its first weekend. What is really interesting though about juxtaposing the different, you know, the two different movies is the fact that as of right now, Black Adam has made $366 million after five weeks. Five weeks. To put it into some context, that's the same amount of money that Shazam made. And this one's got the biggest and one of my favorite movie stars in the world, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Five weeks, $366 million. Wakanda Forever, after 10 days, has made $552 million in 10 days. So that's huge. Now, this is not at all... Meant to be, you know, Dwayne Johnson got on Twitter uh, the last, uh, I think in the last 48 hours, because IGN also pointed out the disparity between the two movies. And Dwayne Johnson got on Twitter and said, hey guys, come on, it's not fair to compare us. You know, we're the new kids on the block and all that kind of stuff. 
And I get it. And the comparison isn't being made to say, oh, look at what a failure Black Adam is. Not at all. Not at all. It's just to put it in context about what, you know, comic book movies can do right now. Even given the current climate and everything, after just 10 days, Wakanda Forever's made, you know, infinitely more in just 10 days than what Black Adam, with the biggest movie star in the world, has done in five weeks. And I don't, that's that's not to say Wakanda Forever's success means that Black Adam's a failure. Not at all. That, that's not the point. The point is to contrast that this is a pretty impressive result for Black Adam, Black Adam, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, considering that you had another big high blockbuster superhero film with the world's biggest movie star in it, and it's garnered $366 million, which, I mean, at this point, it's safe to say this movie's going to lose money. Black Adam is going to be a money loser for the studio. But the fact that this one's been able to come out in the same exact environment and make this kind of money. So yeah, Wakanda Forever is going to easily be very, very profitable. It's going to do very well, especially considering, Rob, the fact that I have said for a long time, you go back months ago on the John Campus show, and I said, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is going to face two major hurdles. Regardless of any of the other stuff going on, you know, a slump at the box office, all that kind of stuff two major hurdles that Black Panther Wakanda Forever was going to face. Number one, it is a sequel without its main character. Black Panther, but Black Panther isn't there. <coughs> T'Challa isn't there. They made the decision not to have T'Challa there. So you've got a sequel without your main character. That's kind of like doing, I don't know, Cannonball Run without Burt Reynolds. Or <laughs> Cannonball Run 2 without Burt Reynolds. But that goes to the other point that not only are they lose their main character, they lost their main star, Chadwick Boseman. So you cannot expect a sequel to a movie that removes its main character and has lost its main star to do anywhere near the same amount of money that the original one did. But that's not the question. The question is, can it still be successful? I say crossing the half billion dollar mark after 10 days is a pretty strong indication not bad. That, that they're still pretty damn successful, despite the fact they don't have their main character and their main guy. So anyway, Rob, let me throw this over to you. Wakanda Forever has now crossed half a billion dollars in 10 days. Juxtapose that against the most recent other comic book film that we have, Black Adam with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, biggest movie star in the world, sitting at 366 after five weeks. What's your biggest takeaway from that? And what do you think that tells us about what Wakanda Forever has been able to do at the box office? Well, one, <clears throat> Look, I think the fact that Black Adam was never, even with Dwayne Johnson in it, it does not have a pop culture footprint the way any other superhero has that we've seen in major successful films. Whether it's Iron Man, Spider-Man, Captain America, Hulk, these have been ingrained in pop culture in various ways for decades, whether it's in animation, whether it's in comics, whatever. So people kind of have an understanding of what that character is. Outside of comic book nerds, and I mean I'm one of them, uh, the, the, the character of Black Adam does not have any resonance, even if you're a Shazam fan. Right. You know, and, and I think that this He's is a, a relatively unknown character an, amongst non-comic book hardcores. A, absolutely. And I think that in a way, I know it's got Dwayne Johnson in it, but still, it's still, it's like, I don't know that character. I think that while they wanted Black Adam, they, they expect Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson's presence to get the money they want. I don't think the movie, if the movie was better... And people come out, came out of it. I mean, I had fun in that movie. I did too. I enjoyed it. But I had a lot it, of fun it with felt it. like a throwback. It it was not as evolved as a lot of the more successful comic book movies today are. It was really 
like Christian Harloff, when he was on, said it was it was like a 90s action film. And he's right. And so in a way, even though it didn't make a ton of money, I didn't really expect it to. So it, it's not out of the realm of expectations. Wakanda Forever, however, whether you like the film or not, I think it's wildly ambitious. I think it has a lot going on in it. It is. It has a lot to think about. And I, I found the movie, having seen it twice now, I found the movie compelling. And both times when I saw the film, I thought about it for a long time afterwards. And I think that's what people want out of their pop culture entertainment. And I do think with this holiday weekend and this holiday week, a lot of people are off from school now. I think Wakanda Forever is going to have a pretty solid hold. I noticed last Tuesday it made like $12 million. I wouldn't be surprised if we see this movie for this week make a lot more money. And I mean, one other little kind of interesting point of comparison is that I'm trying to bring up box office mojo is moving very, very slow right now. But uh, opening weekend box office, opening weekend box office for Black Adam was $67.0 million. I believe Wakanda Forever has made more money. It did. It made more money in its second weekend than Black Adam made in its first weekend. And I think that that, again, speaks a lot to the fact that, hey, Wakanda Forever was an established franchise. It already had a big hit first film. Black Adam was an unknown character, all that kind of stuff, still being carried by the biggest movie star in the world. And again, I don't think this is a referendum saying, oh, look at what a failure Black Adam was. Not at all. I think it's more of a referendum on, it's pretty damn impressive what Black Panther Wakanda Forever has been able to do, losing its lead character and losing its lead actor. Totally agree. And crossing the hundred or the half a billion dollar mark in 10 days is pretty incredible. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What is your take on all this with all the data coming out about the weekend box office? Do you think it's fair to draw some comparisons between Black Adam's box office performance and Wakanda Forever's black uh, uh, box office performance, given the fact that there are two wildly different circumstances going into them? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's do one more off the top, and that is this. Speaking of comic book films, one of the most charismatic, universally beloved people playing in comic book movies today is Chris Hemsworth. People love Chris Hemsworth. Not everybody loves Thor Love and Thunder, but everybody loves Chris Hemsworth. Yep. Well, of course, Chris Hemsworth has a new series going on on Disney+, Plus. what's called Limitless or mm -hmm. Limits or whatever Limitless. it's called. Not to be confused with the Bradley Cooper movie, but where he's you know, talking about human longevity and all that kind of stuff. Well, news has come out that during the recording of that show, Chris Hemsworth got some kind of shocking news about his own health situation, which has led him to say that he's going to start cutting back on the amount of acting that he has done. Uh, this comes to us from the BBC, who writes this. Uh, Hemsworth learned that he has two copies of the gene APOE4, uh, one from his mother and one from his father, making him between eight and ten times more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease than those without both copies of the gene. Uh, Chris Hemsworth went le later on to say, hey, when he found that out, it shocked him, it shook him, and it just made him realize that life is short, life is precious, and he's like, what am I doing? I I'm constantly running off to another country to shoot another movie, and then another movie, another movie. My kids are growing up. I'm missing my kids growing up. And so he said that the finding out about this diagnosis of his, he said, you know what, I'm going to cut back. He said, I'm not retiring. Some people have been running around with the report that Chris Hemsworth is retiring. He very specifically said, I am not retiring. 
I'm just going to cut back on the amount that I'm doing because I want to spend more time with my kids. Now, also, some people are also erroneously reporting that he has Alzheimer's disease. Right. He does not. He just found out that he is genetically predisposed to be more likely to get Alzheimer's disease than most other people. But he does not have it. So just be clear on that. But, you know, hearing that, he says he's going to step back a lot. Rob, obviously, as fans... We would love to see Chris Hemsworth. I would love to see Chris Hemsworth in six movies a year, to be honest with you. I, I just love seeing the guy on screen. But it's very, very understandable. And I think admirable. The guy has enough money for three lifetimes. Why not take this time? Enjoy you know, your kids before they turn 18 and move out of the house, as he said in his interview. Spend time with your beautiful wife. Spend time enjoying your gorgeous country. All that kind of stuff. Anyway, you hear about this story. What's your takeaway? Well, first... I love Chris Hemsworth too. I mean, everything about him is appealing. I mean, the fact that he's a true family man and and uh, he takes care of his family, his brothers, all that. I, he's just, a, I think, a great guy, and I wish him all the best. But I think he's right. You know, even movies themselves don't have the place in our culture that they used to have. And making films, they come and they go, and it's great that you can be a star and 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 do that. But I think, you know, I also read that Gary Oldman said he's retiring doesn't want to make movies anymore. He's like, wow, I'm 65 years old. I got other things I want to do. And we are, we saw Cameron Diaz, you know, she's coming back, but she took time off. I mean, I think that, I think I like seeing this because I think when a celebrity does something like this, it makes other people that aren't celebrities take stock in their lives and ask themselves what's important. And I think we all need to do that. I think our civilization would, would stand to take a breather occasionally and find out what is it we really want to be doing. You know, it's funny, John, this is totally random, but there's a book by Yuval Harari, who's an Israeli historian, called Sapiens. It's all about the history of humanity over the last 100,000 years. And at the end of the book, the question that he asks the readers is, what do we want as, as a people? What does humanity want? What do human beings want? And that he leaves that question lingering. And I think when Chris Hemsworth does something like this, it makes us all kind of stop and go, what is important to us? And who better than a celebrity like Thor, a god, you know, who, when, when the god says, you know what, I found this thing out, I can't, this is in my DNA, I can't change it, there's no pill. But when he decides to take stock in his life, maybe the people whose lives he's touched through his work will also stop and maybe take a, take a pause. And maybe and say, feel like it's okay to do that now. Absolutely, 100%, exactly, well said, that's exactly right. Well, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Chris Hemsworth finds out that he's significantly more likely to develop Alzheimer's, not that he has it, and has decided to take stock and take a step back from a lot of his acting, although he is not retiring. What do you take away from this story? How do you feel about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys, that down. Alou, what do we got up next? Next up is our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. To have your question answered live on the show, give us a call at 951-268-4259 and leave a message. Our Mint Mobile caller of the day is Doug, who's asking about some of the new Indiana Jones details. Hey, John and Drew. This is Doug from North Carolina. The latest call from CaliBook.com that they released a first look, a photo from Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones. Looks like he's on some boat or yacht. Then I also saw that they released two images from Empire Magazine, I believe. So does this mean that we could see first teaser trailer within a week or less? Let me know your thoughts. Bring on the filthy. Thanks a lot for calling that in, Doug. 
And yeah, some big stuff happened regarding Indiana Jones 5 last week. Empire Magazine uh, put out two of their covers with Indiana Jones. One of him is standing in front of New York City, which is rather interesting. And inside that, we got a look at a picture from the movie. And Jonathan, I don't know if you've got that or if you want to put it up on my screen here. But we've got a look here of Indiana Jones uh, on a boat of some sort looking out. Uh, I, I don't know why I love this shot so much. This, to me, is a poster kind of image, which I absolutely adore. I think this is great. I love the shot. But the covers were really quite good. But one of the more interesting things that came out of all this was the fact that Mads Mikkelsen, we knew he was in the movie, and we've heard that he was going to be playing the villain. We actually got some story details about it. These details, uh, this comes from Gizmodo, right? Empire Magazine's cover story. Uh, confirms it. For Indy 5, the actor, Mads Mikkelsen, will play the role of Voller, a Nazi scientist who finds work at NASA post-World War II. The film is set during the space race of 1969, and Voller is inspired by real-life ex-Nazi um, and eventual NASA scientist Werner von Braun. Of his character, Mads Mikkelsen told Empire he's a man who would like to correct some of the mistakes of his past. There is something that could take uh, that could make the world a much better place to live in. He would love to set uh, to get his hands on it. Indiana Jones wants to get his hands on it as well. So Mads Mikkelsen is playing a scientist who was a Nazi scientist. Now he's working for the good guys. He's over. I'm assuming is overwhelmed. He? Well, <laughs> he seems like he's overwhelmed with guilt about his past and he wants to change something about his past. And there's something that he can get his hands on to do it, but Indy wants it as well. And I think that generally gives us our setup of the movie and what we'll see in there. Now, there's two different ways to interpret this, right? When it says there's things he'd like to change about his past, there is the optimist in me, Rob, that thinks this is a guy who feels torn and guilty and he wants to go back and change what he did. Mm -hmm. And Indiana Jones realizes you could make everything far worse if you do that and wants to try to stop it. Kind of like a Thanos situation. I want to make the universe right again. Yeah, but you want to kill half the people in the universe to do it. So there's that. The other way of looking at it is, some people have read this and interpreted it as, he wants to go back and make it so the Nazis win. Yep. But I don't think that, the way I read it, I didn't read it that way. I mean, the way, Mickelson says it this way, a man who would like to correct some of the mistakes of his past. Yeah. That, to me, sounds like he wishes he could go back and, like, the old adage, if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, would you do it? It sounds like that sort of conundrum. And I'll be honest with you, I think the idea that he's a, he's motivated to do something good is a far more interesting story to me than... He's a madman who wants to go back and make sure the Nazis take over. Although, who am I kidding? I, I, both of them sound pretty great to me. But anyway, Rob, you had a chance to take a look at uh, the images. By the way, one other details come out is that in the opening of the film, they are going to be doing some digital de-aging of Harrison Ford for this movie. Now, with there being some time travel, I think we knew that was a foregone conclusion. But now the reports are out that that is happening in the film. But anyway, Rob... With Mads Mikkelsen's description of what the general plot of this movie seems to be, it, it kind of confirms what we've suspected and what a lot of people speculated, that this is going to be a time travel kind of a story. With the new images, I don't know, out of all this, what's standing out to you? Well, I love the fact that Werner, his character is based on Werner von Braun. As, as Ray will tell you, Werner von Braun was a character in the first episode, or first season of For All Mankind, and he was a great character. Uh, this sounds great to me because, you know, the Indiana Jones franchise has always been a mix of the old time serials with 
high concept fantasy. I mean, come on, God makes a an appearance in the first movie in Raiders. You got the Sankara stones in the second. Molaram rips out some dude's beating heart, you know, and then uh, then of course we've got the the uh holy grail in uh third the third one. So super science and time travel and all that. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> but I mean, I can't imagine Mad Mickelson is some altruistic. Let me go. I, I I need to atone. I I for the for my past. He's a Nazi. He's a Nazi that hates living in America. He wants to destroy the United States. Bring the fatherland back to life. But you know why? Because Nazis are the best villains. Nazis they're, are the best. They're villains. the best villains. Nothing can be made better without ninjas on the side of good, and Nazis. Is good. <laughs> Ninjas on which side are the dinosaurs on? Are they uh, I the mean, good or they're, bad? They're, you know, they can go either way. <laughs> Bring back Show Kazuki. I mean, come on. Oh, enter the ninja. <laughs> come on, dude. Show Kazuki was the best. <laughs> it was the best. Okay, but if you had to put your if you had to put five bucks on now, when he says he wants he wants to go back and correct mistakes. Do you think he's trying to make things right? Okay, bring or is up he that, trying bring, to bring back Bring up that picture of Mads Mickelson. You oh, had a picture great. there of Mads Mickelson's character. Well, I got to find it. Uh, let me see if I still got it. I'm not sure if I do. Uh, yeah, I still do. I have it, I think. Yeah, okay. So here's, okay, the, John, here's the picture of Mads Mickelson. That's not the picture of Mads Mikkelsen. No, there it is. <laughs> okay. Well, don't you have... No, his character. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't have a picture of his character. It's here. on the other link. Oh, there it okay, is. Oh, there I got go. it right there. Yeah. Let me ask you, John. Take a good hard look at this man. Does this man... Does this character... Does he look like he's on the side of good? That he wants to go back and change things in his past? Or does he look like tote? Does he resemble say, he looks a lot like Totes. That guy is a jack-booted Nazi thug, uh, and he we, is going to prove to be evil. I, I, he looks like he's about to say, uh, we are not thirsty. Yes. It looks like <laughs> you Americans are all the same, tunes. always What's overdressing that? for the wrong he, he looks like he's about to go kill some tunes in Roger Rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that I, guy. I believe, in the words of Rocky, if you can change and I can change... Anybody can change. I I think it's more interesting in the way he says it that he's a man tormented by what he was involved in. That's what he's going to make everybody think. He actually Uh, sounds a lot like his character from Rogue One, to be honest. Like he was pressed into service. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that guys, you are apologists. Uh, I I apologize. I'm just saying. Apologists. Motivated by the right motivations, but he's blinded so much by it. That he's actually setting up something far worse. Ah, uh, you know, okay. That I, I mean, that would be interesting. I mean, I, I, I grant you that. But this is an Indiana Jones movie, and only Indiana Jones is going to say he's going to be what I'm saying. Like, he's a Nazi. What do they say? He's like Tote's grandson. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Indiana Jones <laughs> is not going to like the fact that America co-opted Nazi scientists, brought them to America, and put them into the service of democracy. He's not going to like it. He never liked that. I never trusted Nazis, and I never will. <laughs> I hate them. I hate Nazis. That's right. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? We got some story <clears throat> details here. What do you think Mads Mikkelsen says by means by the fact that his character wants to go back and fix mistakes? Do you think that means to eradicate the Nazis or to bring them to power? Whatever you guys think about that, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. You know what can stop Nazis in their tracks? Clean shaven balls. <laughs> thanks to our friends. At Manscaped. Sure, that's true. <laughs> Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, 
Manscaped. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim up your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA for free shipping and 20% off. And this year I am so thankful for Manscaped because like most of you guys, I used to use Neanderthalic Dark Age methods to trim my balls. Not anymore, thanks to Manscaped. It's time for all of us to give thanks to Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The heart of the package, their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAMPIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code CAMPIA. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And thank you to our friends at Manscaped for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into our new weekly feature here that we do every Monday. You know, it's fun every Monday for us to do a little bit of rewind and look back at the movies that are turning 10 years old this week and also turning 20 years old this week. So let's get into Rewind right now, celebrating their 10th anniversaries. Oh boy, 10 years old. First, we've got oh, Rise good. of the Guardians. Do you remember that one? So Chris, good. Chris Pine was he plays Jack Frost and they play like this, all the, the the mythological creatures of the holidays forming some kind of original Avengers. Yeah. Hey, it did pretty well, actually. Got a 74% critic rating. Yeah. You seem to be a big fan of this movie. Yeah, Elaine. I haven't seen it in quite some time, but it was so good. I love, like, thugged out Santa. Yeah. And was the, the Easter Bunny was, like, was it Hugh Jackman or someone or someone Australian? Oh, you know what? I, think it, I haven't even thought about it, but it might have been. Him. Yeah. But anyway, it also did pretty well at the box office as it made and bring the graphic back up and made over three hundred million dollars at the box office, three hundred six million dollars box office. Not bad for a movie. Most people do not remember yeah. <laughs> at all. So not bad for that. Uh, also coming out 10 years ago. Life of Pi, oh, the yeah. Academy Award winning film, 86 uh, percent critic rating made over six hundred million dollars which i don't think anybody would have thought this movie could make that kind of money uh so there's that also speaking of chris hemsworth as we have been also turning 10 years old red dawn remember this one Peter. the remake red dawn the funny thing about this movie is this movie shot on, sat on a shelf completed for almost three years and it was like it was made before chris hemsworth did thor and then they decided to bring it afterwards not so great. 14% critic rating made about well, 50 million bucks. They had to change it too because yes. the villains were the Chinese and they had to change it to the North Koreans in post. In post. That wasn't good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so there's that one as well. Okay, so those are the movies turning 10. Wow, dude. Let's look at the movies turning 20 years old, shall we? And we're going to start with the James Bond film, Die Another Day. Halle Berry 
hasn't aged a day in 20 years. I just saw her at the most recent UFC, and she has not aged a day in 20 years. But her and Pierce Brosnan, not an overly beloved James Bond film, but at 56%, so the majority of critics liked it, making $431 million at the box office, which 20 years ago, for James Bond film, that was pretty damn good. It was. So it's that one. Also turning 20 years old this week, Friday After Next Duh. turns 20, which was the, after it came out, the, it turns out, not so welcome follow-up, but it got a 26%, made not bad money considering the budget of it, $33.5 million. Can't believe that was 20 years ago. Also turning 20 this week is Frida. Mm. Uh, 76, a really good movie, as a matter of really fact. Right? This one's movie. a really, really solid movie. Uh, made $56 million at the time. And also turning 20 years old this week is The Emperor's Club. Uh, that thing did about, you know, it kind of came and went without much fanfare. The critics were completely divided on it right down the middle at 50. Only made about $16 million. Kind of came and went. And Mark but, Zuckerberg's in it. Uh, well, Kevin Klein is in there. <laughs> I love Kevin Klein. I, I absolutely love Kevin Klein. But... Yeah, that's kind of one of the more forgettable ones. When I look back at these, the two that stand out to me are, number one, Die Another Day. I really like Pierce Brosnan was like, a lot of people may not remember this, but he was the de facto choice by most people to be the new James Bond for years and years and years and years before they finally made him James Bond. I had fun with that movie. I, I kind of liked it. It's not the most beloved of the James Bond films, but I like that movie. The other one to me that stands out for all the wrong reasons probably is The Life of Pi. And it's unfortunate because the movie's brilliant. It's, yeah. it's absolutely brilliant and fantastic and you're riveted to it. But unfortunately, I think when people now today and in the future will look back at the life of Pi, I think for a lot of people in the industry, we're going to be talking about the fact that it killed a visual effects house. That, you know, it won best visual effects at the Academy Awards. But the company was a digital domain at the time. Was that? Uh, it was Rhythm and Hughes. Rhythm and Hughes that did it. That's right. Yeah, Rhythm and Hughes who then went out of business because of the way, and, and I think it was the event in the movie that really at first brought the spotlight to the fact that the economies of scale of the visual effects industry are not supportable under the current system and the way Hollywood treats it. And it's still conversations going on today about the way it happens. Uh, you know, companies are having to work at a loss. Uh, employees, visual effects artists are working ridiculous numbers of hours for a pay, you know, they under when if you look at it at an annual salary, you think they do pretty good. But if you actually break it down to an hourly thing, it's not sustainable. It's an unhealthy thing. And the company that won Best Visual Effects of the Academy Award then went out of business because of it. And it's unfortunate that such a brilliant movie is going to be thought of in that way. Anyway, Rob, as you look at these movies that turned 10 and 20 years old this week, what are the ones that stand out to you? Well, same. I mean, the ones that really that resonate with me are Die Another Day because I was a big Bond fan. And Die Another Day was the last Pierce Brosnan movie. And I kind of felt bad because I think it's half a good movie and half a really bad movie. Mm. And and I wish that he had had a better dude. It's It's got an invisible car in it. I mean, <laughs> come on. And not only that, but and I get where they were coming from, but not only does it have an invisible car, but in this movie, they go to an ice hotel in Iceland. And they I think it's real, isn't it? Yeah, they have a real something. Like, but they ship they ship this Aston Martin to Iceland so he can drive around and get into a, a car chase on the ice. I see no problems with this. Well, but no one's going to ship that car there. It's like you get picked up at the airport and tripped to the and there's and that's also the one with the terrible CGI of him windsurfing. Again, I see no problem with it. I mean, it's just, and Madonna is in it. Although I will say this, 
it has a great sword fight and i love the opening in uh korea north korea yeah yeah when he gets captured and i thought that idea was good and the sword fight with madonna as a sword master and she did her song again i have no problem with this yeah i know, I know. i'm just saying it's there's a giant laser weapon at the end that's coming down from why don't you just fly around the laser weapon i, I anyway uh <laughs> Look, there's still some joy to be had in this movie. And then, of course, Life of Pi is a brilliant movie. I love it. Ang Lee's one of my favorite filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, what a brilliant realization of that book. And um, I don't even, I never saw that animated film, Rise of the Guardians. Oh, it was, it was fun. But knowing what it's about, I want to see it now. That appeals to mm -hmm. me. All right, guys, question is for you. Out of these movies that have turned 10 to 20, you know what? None of these, all of these ones feel like they were that long ago. Yeah. You know, Life Pi feels like it was 10 years ago. A lot of times these movies come out, we're like, wait, that turned 20? But which of these movies that celebrated either their 10th or 20th anniversary this week stands out to you the most? Whatever one that is, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's get into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the John Campion Show? Well, that's easy. That's where you guys come in because you guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show with that down. Hello. What is our first main topic today? Main topic. Number one comes to us from Blake who says, Hey John, there are reports coming out that a final trailer for avatar. The way of water will premiere during halftime during Monday night football. In addition, tickets will also go on sale the same day. What are your expectations for the final trailer? And do you think it will tell us more about the story since the last two trailers were more focused on the visuals and the world of Pandora? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Blake. And yeah, we can confirm ESPN has indeed confirmed that the final trailer for Avatar The Way of Water, Avatar 2, will debut tonight. This comes to us from the folks over at ESPN. They write the following. Halftime from inside Estadio Azteca hosted by, because they're playing the NFL Monday night game in Mexico tonight. Hosted by uh, Susie Cobbler alongside Booger McFarland. Yes, that is actually his real name. <laughs> nice. And Adam Schefter. Additionally, at halftime, ESPN will debut the final trailer for Avatar The Way of Water coming to theaters on December 16th. Now, this is not a new thing for Disney to do. Disney, of course, owns ESPN. They have in the past done the drop of big trailers on one of their football games, uh, Monday Night Football, another football game, whatever, that's going to have a lot of eyeballs on it, and they invest heavily into that. So tonight we got our final trailer. What are my expectations from the trailer? It's exactly what you said. I'm expecting to get a little bit more of the story. The second trailer did give us a little bit of an idea. I expect this one to give us, okay, here's what this movie's generally about. Again, not spoilers, not giving the movie away, just this is what the movie's about. And I expect to get that, but don't for a second believe that they're not going to try to overwhelm us with shock and awe of the visuals. That is a hallmark of this world of Pandora that, that uh, James Cameron has developed and done. They're definitely going to lean heavily into that, but probably a little bit more on the story element of it as well. Just to now, be clear, though, is, are we talking about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that's a throwback. That is, uh, which one is that from? Is that from Revenge of the Nerds? Revenge of the Nerds, right? Yeah. It's Booger. Oh, no. that's right, because that was his name in the movie. But yeah, no. Booger McFarlane, no, very different very, very big guy. Good football analyst, as a matter of fact. And at any rate, 
<laughs> so with that coming out, the speculation was that like other Disney big promotions on their football events, they would also put the tickets on sale. Well, they decided not to wait until the trailer dropped because I just found out this morning that the tickets are on sale now. Apparently, the tickets went on sale this morning. And Taylor, you are the only one that I think <laughs> knew about it at the time. And you've already gone in to get tickets. And what was that experience like trying to get those tickets? Oh, my God. I didn't know they were on sale. Um, but I just checked to see if they were available. I was at Starbucks. Sponsor me, Starbucks. <laughs> and um, I luckily got like the last two tickets to see it in IMAX the Thursday before it comes out. So the I think December 15th. Uh, at the Burbank 16. So I'm very excited, but I was just looking at other ones just to see like, cause I, I don't think it was advertised that they were available yet. Everything is gone. So hopefully they add more show times. Even the, I checked even the 1230 in the morning showings gone. Sold out. Yeah. You know, yeah. John, no one's really interested in Avatar. No, nobody cares. That's not what everybody's been saying for the last couple of years. Nobody cares about Avatar It's anymore. Fern Gully in space. No, I'm not, I, I don't think it's going to make $200 million opening weekend. I don't even necessarily think it'll have the same opening weekend as uh, Wakanda Forever. But the thing about Avatar has always been its legs. Yep. And, uh, I, but it's definitely going to have a big opening weekend here. Anyway, Rob, is this the right strategy for them to drop this big final trailer with the oh. football game a little bit out? How do you feel about that? I think absolutely, because look, I mean, aside from the fact that the Seahawks did lose playing in Germany, I like the idea that the NFL is exporting uh, American football to the world. Yeah. And during the World Cup. But um, I think that uh, dropping these trailers, you have the audience that Avatar is targeted towards, you know, every, which is the every person. You don't have to be. It's not just fanboys. It's for everybody. Um, I'm actually, I think I'm going to go, even if it's only for a weekend, go see my mom up in Seattle just to take her to see avatar i have my that's a I, great thing i have do. my nephew on, on the tickets because you know i've told the story many times even on this show about taking my mom to see avatar and imax 3d she hasn't been back to an imax you know since what 2009 so we're going you know and i think this is really exciting and i think what espn is, is doing is great and i even saw on uh instagram the final trailer you know they're already promoting it so good on them i'm excited dude i think this movie's gonna be great now, it's Lou, Jimmy I C. can't remember if it was Kaylee or you. Was was it you or Kaylee that isn't really an Avatar fan? Or is this a movie you're looking forward to seeing? I wasn't until I saw the trailer in 3D right before Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever. And I was like, okay, there's no plot here, but I'm sold. It's just, it's just <laughs> visually just gorgeous. And I think like that's enough for someone to go to a, a movie and have a great time is just seeing it's almost like you're on like the ride at disney world you're just right. like immersed in especially if you watch it in 3d and imax you're like immersed in this world and i think that's really cool and the first one i thought was good you know so i i, just, I see no reasons to hate on the avatar i think people are just maybe they feel like it's too derivative or too redundant but well it's a common yeah. thing in our culture right? when something gets really popular that's when it yeah. becomes cool to hate on and stuff like that and you know then there are a bunch of people because movies are art a bunch of people who just legitimately never liked avatar and that's right. totally good too i am curious though ray no you're not with this movie being over <laughs> i'm just kidding John. with this movie being over three hours long what are the chances of us getting you to go see it on an opening weekend dude if it's in 3D, I'll be awake. There's, there's oh, no right. question. There's no guy. question. Yeah, I'm a big 3D guy. Um, Avatar knows how to do it. So I trust in the Avatar 3D that it's going to be good. But yeah, I've never had a problem falling asleep with a 3, 3D movie. So 
Well, it, well, you got the tickets, uh, Taylor, yeah. in IMAX. Was that a 3D screening? No, I, I can't do the 3D. I get such a headache. But uh, oh. right here in luck, because I just checked, they added a couple more showings to the AMC Burbank 16. There is a one in the morning Burbank. showing. 1 a.m. showing. Uh, yeah, we ain't going to empty. Burbank. Yeah, we're going to go see it at 1 a.m. Tyler. Anyway, guys, yeah. question is <laughs> for you. Are you excited for this Avatar final trailer that's going to be coming out tonight? How do you think it's going to do opening weekend? It sounds like the tickets are already selling out rather quickly. Have you already gotten your tickets? If so, what was your experience like trying to get them? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Speaking of the football game tonight, we want to thank another sponsor of today's show, the good folks over at DraftKings. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, should be your go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. With things like same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player props, and more. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, total points, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Personally, I like the Rams to pull off a big upset win over the Chiefs next weekend. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CAMPIA. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code CAMPIA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And thank you to our friends at DraftKings for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So make sure you go down in the description of this video, and right at the top, you're going to see links to all of our sponsors and their promo codes. And thank you again to DraftKings. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into main topic number two. Alou, what is our second main topic today? Main topic number two comes to us from the antagonistic anonymous, who says... Hey, crew, the Direct recently reported that Marvel Studios is eyeing Ryan Gosling for the villain of the upcoming Thunderbolts film. While the report's source isn't a top trade like Deadline, it does come from a reputable insider, Daniel Richmond, who also stated the villain is a powerful and conflicted comparing to evil Superman. If this report is believed to be true, the question becomes, is the character either Hyperion or someone grab right quickly? Sentry! Yes! <laughs> While I personally believe it might be Hyperion, given the multiverse nature of the current MCU saga, it is a real possibility that it could also be Sentry. What do you make of this report, John? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, man. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, so there is a story report going around based on one tweet that's or somebody put up on their, or their Patreon page that they're looking at not just good Canadian kid Ryan Gosling, <laughs> but also Alexander Skarsgård, mm. who is just remarkable. Like, I, I, over the years, I just continue to get more and more impressed with this guy. His stint on Succession, he's oh, yeah. amazing in Succession. Yep. But or, or uh, what's the name of the one he did with Nicole Kidd in Big Little Lies? Was yep. that the name of it? He was remarkable in that for the part that he had on it. He's absolutely incredible. So there's a report going around that both Ryan Gosling and to a lesser degree, Alexander Skarsgård are in the running to be the villain in Thunderbolts. And they're saying that villain is either going to be Hyperion or what some people are saying is more likely 
century. This comes to us from the director who write the following. They say this, Daniel Rickman has shared on his Patreon account that Marvel Studios is eyeing Ryan Gosling to play a major villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The role calls for a lead male between the age of 30 and age 50, describing him as a conflicted and powerful villain and comparing him to an evil Superman. The rumor points to Marvel being interested in Gosling or Alexander Skarsgård to play the role in the 2024's Thunderbolts. All signs point to the character being the powerful Marvel entity Sentry. Because, of course, if you look at that character, he's been good, he's been bad, he is very, very conflicted, he's very, very powerful. All right, could this be true? It's possible. I mean, at this point, I'm not turning down any notion of any star coming in, uh, save maybe Leonardo DiCaprio, I'd be shocked if he did, but there's no actor in the world right now that I don't think would be more than willing to jump into the MCU or even the DCU with the new direction it has. So I can I could say it's believable, I think Ryan Gosling would love, listen, a couple years ago, Ryan Gosling talked about the fact that he had spoken to, to, with Marvel about a particular, nothing ever came of it, of course, but who's to say it wasn't about this one thing in particular. Also, another big giant grain of salt to take with this. Just even if the report is true, even if, and we are not assuming that it is, but even if it's true, what does the report specifically say? It says they're eyeing Ryan Gosling. They could have a list of 50 people that they're sure. also eyeing, right? So, again, I look, I'm not trying to muddy the waters here, but you guys know I just like to try to give you the actual accurate context of this. So we do not know that this is true. And if it's true, the actual wording is just that they're eyeing him, which means they could be eyeing a bunch of other people as well. Now, as far as who this character could be, I do agree with the determination here that it's most likely a sentry, if it's true. Hyperion is also a big thing of this. Here's the big reason why I don't buy it, though. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it can't be true. I'm just saying, based on the limited amount of information we have, I may change my mind as we get more information, but based on the limited information we have right now, what the hell are the Thunderbolts supposed to yep. do against Sentry? <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, it's, it's like saying, oh, we're going to, I don't know, have, what's the, uh, I'm trying to think of the one now, Lethal Weapon. You know, Riggs and Murtaugh, they're going to fight the Incredible Hulk. What? What are they going to do against the Incredible? What is anybody in the Thunderbolts going to do against Sentry? I mean, it, it's not even something that's, or Hyperion. I mean, this these are basically street-level powered things. Yes, you got a couple of guys in there with the Super Soldier Serum. That's nice. Uh, Ghost has some pretty awesome powers. That That's cool. Uh, Yelena is really good at kicking you in the face. Okay. What are any of them supposed to do remote i mean maybe if you had hulk and thor versus sentry then maybe you got but that's the big thing to me that makes me go it's kind of difficult to buy into this maybe it's the uh, before the century maybe it's they're well, that's, out yeah, the maybe. Reynolds. that's what i was gonna say is that sentry is awakening maybe yes, for maybe. some reason they sent this these the thunderbolts out to prevent this from happening that sentry was a kid because he was on ice or whatever right. or however they're gonna play it but you know I think that it could be interesting, either character, and there, there's an awakening happening with Sentry that they have to prevent. Now, or, or, or maybe they're the ones who throw that, throw him in that prison that he was on, uh, the raft. Yeah. Um, in New Avengers, when he actually, when the all the villains started breaking out, and then he came out and then started helping the Avengers. And what's the name of the dark side power he's trying to keep in Void. check? Void. The Void, oh, yeah. right, right. Now, the Void is a very, very cool. That The Void is a Avengers-level kind of... Yeah. Sentry and the Void are Avengers-level kind of stuff that you can look at. But, I mean, maybe th there's been speculation that Abomination may be part of the Thunderbolts. 
that is somebody who maybe could put up a fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you if you didn't underpower him a lot, but right. I don't know. It's there's a lot of cool stuff in this rumor, but just certain things that make it difficult to believe. But again, anything is possible here. Rob, what do you make of this? Well, you know, first of all, Ryan Reynolds. Can you imagine what it's like to play Ryan Gosling? Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Oh, probably to say Ryan Reynolds. Can you imagine Ryan Gosling is is having to play a living, breathing plastic man with no junk in a movie with Margot Robbie, which is what he's doing now. Right. As I, I think after that, you would want to come and be a, a virile man. A well, he did man. The Northman this year, which is one of my favorite films of the year. So. Well, that's Skarsgård. Oh, yeah, I mean, well, which you know, is, who is also being looked who, at. Yeah, who's, yes, and, but Gosling. Even, yeah, Gosling. Just saying that, because I, I love Ryan Gosling, and I think that his turn in Drive, he oh, was such so good. He's such a badass in Drive to see him play a full-on, because he's always like, he'll never, I, whenever I see Ryan Gosling, and he's a tremendous actor. He's, you know, he's like Mr. Notebook. At the end of the day, when it comes down, he's like this sweet, romantic, caring person. I love when he goes full on beast mode and, and just smashes a guy's head in an elevator like he didn't drive. Making him a villain, I can only imagine that he's like, please. I mean, I thought he was great in the nice guys. I would love if they play. That's, that's Ryan Gosling right there on the picture. Right. You know, um, if he's going to play Hyperion and they, they have the rest of the squadron supreme, I don't know if they're going to do that. But I think Ryan Gosling as a villain in the MCU, I mean a real full-on villain. Or and but same with Alexander Skarsgård too as a villain, but we've seen him play like the Northman. He's he, he could he's fierce. I mean that guy can, oh, he can go totally he can wreck sick. shop. I mean yeah. he was a beast in that movie. An absolute beast. Yeah, he was. And he's a great like he proved he's a great he's a great conniving character in Succession. He's great too. So either one of them, although I'd really like to see Ryan Gosling do this. Because I loved him in Drive. I'd love to see him as a really powerful, villainous, super villain. You know my favorite thing of Ryan, of Ryan Gosling's is? is? Is not even The Nice Guys, which is a tragically underwatched yeah. movie. Nice Guys is awesome. Shame on everybody who hasn't watched it. I actually, my favorite thing that I've seen him in, the thing I just love him the most in, is Crazy Stupid Love. He's so good in that. Wow. With him, Steve Carell, Emma Stone... Uh, Marissa Tomei. I mean, it's he's so great in that. So you can you can do all this different. Then you that's the same guy who was in Drive. I know. Who, by the way, the director of Drive describes Drive as a superhero origins movie. That's mm. the way the director describes that movie. So just say, I hey, listen, Ray. You knew we had to. Oh, who's that sitting on your microphone right there? <laughs> right yeah, there. Ray is a bit of our uh, local <laughs> century fanboy here. I got some comic books back here. You I actually, about this? I actually hope. That he is Hyperion. I think the the MCU is not ready for the Sentry yet. I I think that's their probably go to card when they have no one else to go to bring him up. He's like the Superman of the MCU. So like I think it's too early. I think he's too powerful for the Thunderbolts. He's so overpowering just, you right now. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so uh, like I I actually think he it should be Hyperion. Like if it was my choice. The thing about Hyperion is you then you wonder are they going to do the Squadron Supreme, which I think they should do, but will they? I don't know. All right, guys. Again, file this one under rumor at this point. There are certain elements here that make it believable, certain elements that make me scratch my head. But question is for you. What do you think about this whole report going around? Do you believe it? Do you not believe it? What elements of it do you think could be true? What are the elements that you find it hard to believe? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Alu, what is our third main topic today? 
Main topic number three comes to us from Sergio, who says, Hey, John and gang, hope you're doing well. Another day, another sad passing of a childhood icon, Jason David Frank, the actor who played the original green and white Power Ranger, Tommy Oliver, has passed away at age of just 49. He was a man who defined our childhoods for so many 90s kids and beyond. All my prayers go to his family and loved ones. What are your thoughts about JDF? Thanks, and may he rest in peace and the power protect him. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. Um, you know, I was not a big Power Rangers guy, but I checked it out when I was younger like everybody else, and I'm not going to lie, my favorite guy was Jason. The Green Ranger was, even though he had that ridiculous gold super shoulder thing that was not practical for fighting at all, <laughs> but I particularly liked it when he became the White Ranger. Yeah. And this dude loved Power Rangers. And whenever they asked him to come back to do something, he always did. And then he popped up, I mean, the biggest audience pop we got in that most recent Power Rangers movie that uh, Elizabeth uh, Banks. Uh, Banks. Elizabeth Banks played the villain. And, you know, when he popped up on screen, that was the biggest pop. That was the biggest pop. I also had a chance to meet him before. I think a lot of fans had a chance to meet him because he always made himself available to fans. Mm -hmm. He was a legitimate mixed martial artist. Yep. Um, who, who actually competed professionally in mixed martial arts. He was a legitimate hardcore martial artist in general. And I think it's safe to say that he was probably the face of that franchise. I think more than anybody else, you put his face up and people will recognize him as a Power Ranger. I mean, maybe the original Pink Ranger as well. Everybody loved her, but but I mean, he was the face of it. And of course, the saddest element of this is, is how he died. He, he took his own life. But at any rate, this comes to us from the folks over at Screen Rant who write the following. Power Ranger star David, Jason David Frank has passed away at the age of 49. The star is best known for playing the Green Ranger, Tommy Oliver, uh, in the Power Rangers franchise. However, he also had role, held roles in projects like Transformers, uh, Titans Return, We Bear Bears, my wife loves yep. We Bear Bears, uh, and Family Matters. MMA fighter Mike uh, Bronzolis also announced that his friend Frank died by suicide. In his loving note, he expressed his condolences to the family of the Power Rangers star, saying that he was a good friend to me, and I will miss him. And, you know, it, it is really unfortunate that we've had icons of iconic properties that a lot of people grew up with, whether it was the Batman animated series, but now with Power Rangers, uh, losing somebody who was so identified with that uh, franchise and, and in that role. It, it's especially sad hearing uh, that it was suicide. And I think it, whenever something like this happens, it draws the point that, you know, Rob, what's one of the things we always say? It's about everybody you meet is fighting a battle that you don't know about. Everybody you meet is fighting a battle that you don't know about. And mental health is a, is a real serious, real thing. And it's unfortunate that it's something that I think men in particular have a very difficult time talking about mm -hmm. and, and whatever. So, I mean, again, we don't know what the details of his life were, but uh, it's very sad to hear about that and, and that he was clearly probably struggling and in some pain before that happened. But again, um, I mean, a guy who I think was the face of a beloved franchise has passed away. And it's such a sad thing to hear. Rob, what were your first thoughts when you heard about this? Well, again, I was a little older. Past Power Rangers was not something. I, I'm a big fan of Japanese uh, science fiction. So I, I did check it out. And I actually like the White Ranger. Um, they just recently put out action figures, high-end action figures of the Power Rangers. And I was thinking about getting the White Ranger. 
But it's always sad when someone leaves us before their time. And, you know, what was interesting about him is that he was at a lot of conventions. Oh, he would always be there and, for fans. And he was always there for fans. And I think that, you know, he understood. He didn't look down on the fact that it was only Power Rangers. And I think he genuinely loved what what he did. And, uh, you know, taken too soon. I mean. You know what was really neat is being on Facebook. I loved seeing this. Because he made himself so available to fans. Uh, I, I jumped on Facebook and it was like the whole timeline feed was so many people yeah. posting their pictures that they got to have with him at fan conventions, yep. which just tells you, number one, how beloved he was by a lot of people. Number two, how much he loved his fans, how much he loved being a part of that franchise, how much he loved making himself available to his fans. And again, just a really sad thing to hear. Anyway, guys, what were your thoughts and, and how did you feel when you heard about the passing of Jason? Were you a big Power Rangers fan? Even if you weren't, it's got to kind of hit you a bit knowing that somebody who was so iconic and so beloved to so many people has passed away. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our fourth and final main topic today. Can't imagine what it might be. Hello. What is it, John? What is our fourth and final main topic today? Main topic number four comes to us from Kyle Robinson, who says, <laughs> Hear ye, hear ye, John and crew. As of this message, I came across the deadline report that Papa Bob Iger is back, baby. <laughs> Papa Iger is reinstated as CEO effective immediately after Bob Chapek re-upped his contract. This is all spectacular news. My question is, when will we see the effects of the change in leadership with the movies, shows, streaming, and the parks? What do you think will be the priorities he has set based off of his previous work? Thanks, and I got my pen and paper for the Campia classroom. <laughs> <laughs> right, Kyle, thanks for saying that in. And yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, my God. Big Papa Iger is back. The adult is back in the room and in charge of things. Thank heavens. Now, listen, before we dive into the whole thing, I, I, I do want to say something, you know, in defense of Bob Chapek. And I do. Really? I, I honestly do. <laughs> All right. That guy could rock a beard. I mean, I, I, I got to, that dude could rock a beard. I, I also want to say, listen, I have never, you know, we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago. I have never personally disliked Bob Chapek for, for all, I've never met the gentleman or I might've, if I did once, it was very briefly, but for all I know, he was a totally nice, wonderful, kind, good man, good father, good son, good sibling, all that kind of stuff in real personal life. For all I know, he could be the nicest guy in the world. I, I don't have a single disparaging thing to say about the gentleman as far as him personally. Also, I want us all to remember, and we brought this up every time we talked about Chapek, but it needs to be said. We have <laughs> to keep in mind that he took over Disney under the absolute worst case scenario possible situation that anybody could take over a company. He took over Disney when no movie theaters were open, nothing could be in production, Disney cruises were shut down, Disney parks were shut down. I mean, it was a, it was a company that was completely paralyzed due to the pandemic and was hemorrhaging money and losing money. And that, I, I don't think any of us should ever forget that that was the circumstances under which Bob Chapek took over Disney. A Herculean task under the best of circumstances, let alone under the worst. I've also was somebody who said that I liked the hiring of Bob Chapek when it happened. On paper, I thought it was a good hiring. That being said, the tenure of Bob Chapek as CEO has been disastrous. Um, it 
it was simply something that was not going to work from the beginning. And unfortunately, in his two and three quarters years as the CEO of Disney, because I believe he took over in February of 2020. So we're just about two and a half months away from the three-year anniversary. And it's funny because I always said, got to give him about three years. I always said, like, no matter how bad things were, I always said, you got to give him about three years. Which, and we're almost at three years now. A month before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. A month yep. before the pandemic hit. He could not have seen that happening. Nope. I mean, n- none of that was his fault. That being said, his entire two and three quarters years has been marred by things that were under his control. And it became quick, very obvious very quickly that this was going to be disastrous. Let's go through. Now, this is not necessarily in chronological order, but these are the headlines that kind of plagued the the, the tenure of Bob Chapek. First of all, and this is where I jumped off the Bob Chapek boat immediately, was the infamous reorganization, which caught Bob Iger completely by surprise. Because Bob Iger commented on this. He basically, what Bob Chapek did was he instituted several brand new layers of middle management. He created new positions for his banker buddies. He created positions that gave people the authority to make the decision what content the various studios made and where that content would go. And I remember saying at the time, guys, you don't understand what this means is um, uh, Kathleen Kennedy is not going to be able to decide where she, where her Star Wars projects are going to go. Kevin Feige no longer has the decision-making ability to decide where the Marvel projects go. And everybody said, oh, John, of course he will. He's Kevin Feige. He didn't. They took that away from him. They took that ability and that power away from him. Suddenly you had bankers that were making overall creative decisions, power that used to be in the hands of creators and creative people, and were now put into the hands of business people, which was the total antithesis of what Bob Iger believed in. Well, also... To be fair, though, Chapek didn't work with creative people. You know, he came he didn't out know of that. How to work with creative no, people. No, in dealing, he came out of the parks. You know, and the parks were very much about bankers and how all of that was. And going home to work. entertainment, but it was always after it was after the fact that that the home entertainment became a product. Yeah, uh, yes. So he, got, so he had none of he that. He was so, well liked in home entertainment, I have to say. Yeah, but we heard about that. Not so much in parks, but in home no. entertainment, right? So the f- one thing was the reorganization. Well, then we can't ignore this. There was the thing that shocked the entire industry when well-respected executive chief of general entertainment content at Disney, unceremoniously, Bob Chapek fired him out of nowhere, Peter Rice, which everybody in Disney and outside of Disney was like, what the hell are you doing, Bob? He threatened his power. He did. He was a threat to his power. He was seen, everybody knew inside the company that Peter Rice as one of the top executives of Disney, was also angling, ha- had his eyes on the top CEO job as well. Mm-hmm. The speculation, and of course the speculation, Bob Chapek has never come out and said this himself, but the general assumption here was that there was no practical reason to let this guy go. He was good at his job. The, the company loved him. The industry well respected him. He saw him as a threat and decided to get rid of him. That was the next big thing I was saying. Also, let's not forget about the whole Scarlett Johansson situation. Right, remember that? Scarlett Johansson had to sue Disney because Bob Chapek and Disney decided to renege on their deal with her when it came to Black Widow. That her deal specifically called for, she accepted the paycheck she got because they had built into her contract 
certain points and backends on the box office release. And then when they, without consulting them, without giving them a word, decided to put Black Widow on Disney Plus streaming without going to her first and saying, hey, just so you know, this is what we're looking at doing because the pandemic and everything. Let's work out some financial arrangement. They did none of that. They dropped it out of, out of nowhere and they told her, suck it up and deal with it. And then when Scarlett Johansson had the audacity, the unmitigated gall <laughs> to say, uh, no, you owe me. We had a deal. We had a contract and you violated the contract. You know what they did? Under Bob Iger, I'll tell you exactly what they would have done. First of all, under Bob Iger, this never would have happened in the first place. But if it did get to that point, Bob Iger would have said, Scarlett, let's you, you take your two best, most trusted advisors. Me, I'll bring along my right-hand man or woman. Let's get together. Let's go to St. Louis, grab some ribs. Let's sit down. Let's hammer this out. Let's get this done right. But that's not what Bob Chapex Disney did. Bob Chapex Disney, this brain lightning was... Let's create a bash Scarlett Johansson campaign. And their PR people started to put out these nasty attacks on Scarlett Johansson saying, how, I mean, she's rich. She shouldn't care if we get during a money. pandemic, during the pandemic. Can you believe Scarlett Johansson wants to get what she is owed? Can you believe that? It was one of the dumbest decisions ever. It embarrassed the company. It embarrassed Bob Iger, who at the time was still chairman of the board of Disney and embarrassed everybody. And eventually, you know what happened? Exactly what I said would happen day one. This is gonna only end one way I said with Disney writing a big fat check because they did, and they did. That's how it ended. Disney had to write her a big fat check. So that was another thing under Chase. Ch uh, Which by the way, she had earned and was owed. Earned and was owed. And it's just not what you, you deserve. It's what, what you, you negotiate. negotiate. Yes, sir. What she negotiated was in the continent. Then. Of course, another big thing, and we're not going to get into politics here, but it, it's important to say that a lot of the employees at Disney were very turned off when they found out about Disney's involvement in Florida and what they did and did not do in Florida. Again, we're not going to get into the merits or the lack of merits of that, but it was just another thing where the Disney employees were really upset, really upset of Bob Chapek. Remember, this is all within two and three quarters of years. Under three years, all this happened. There's more. Then we had the, the big overreaction that happened. The massive overreaction where as soon as they hit some adversity, we talked about this just the other day, where all of a sudden Bob Chapek said, oh dear, okay, we're going to cut back on our marketing, we're going to cut back on our content, which is our money cow, and we're going to cut back on that, and uh, no more free lunches, uh, executives can't travel to meetings, uh, everybody don't go to meetings, uh, to meet over face, like things that little piss-sized companies like mine would do, and I think that looked kind of embarrassing to a lot of the executives at Disney. Then, of course, we move on to the fact that their stock started to fall. Despite the fact that they were adding subscribers to Disney Plus and things like that, the overall accumulation of all the stuff that had been going on in the company all started to rake up and profits were falling. It wasn't profits, it was losses. They were losing money out of him. And that's why Jim Cramer got on, got on long. We talked to him, he was a big financial analyst, said Bob Chapek needs to go and all that kind of stuff. Then, of course, don't forget this under the category of pissing off their own employees. This has not gone away. I talked to somebody recently who said, the fire is just as hot as it ever was. A lot of people at Pixar resented Bob Chapek and the leadership at Disney for the fact that they took a number of their projects turning red, not Especially the that movie. Especially this movie, which is a magnificent film. And Pixar was absolutely, and the people at Pixar were absolutely ready for mutiny. 
over the fact that talk talks about max ex exodus and stuff like that. So as we start to go through in just three years, we look at where there was the organiz the, the idiotic organizational changes, the getting rid some Game of Thrones level shit, getting rid of anybody who could have been possible competition, the way he managed or did not manage the Scarlett Johansson situation, the Florida situation, the dropping in the stocks, uh, the the slumping of years, the how we reacted to the diversity, a, a mutiny rising up over there, and I'll tell you what else. There's more. There is more. Now, before we get to any of that, uh, this is what the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter had to say about this whole situation. They wrote the following. In a stunning turn of events, the Wall Street Disney Company says that Bob Chapek, the Walt Disney Company, I should say, that Bob Chapek will step down as CEO with Bob Iger returning to lead the company. While Iger will be returning to his old role, the board also made it clear that his new term will be a temporary one. Iger has agreed to serve as Disney CEO for two years with a mandate from the board to set the strategic direction for the renewed growth and to work closely with the board in developing a successor to lead the company at the completion of his term, the board said. Okay, so Bob Iger right now has two jobs, and they're monumental. And I'm not 100% sure two years is enough to do it, but it might be. Job number one, reset us. Reset our direction. Get us back on the right path. I mean, bring up the quote again there, Jonathan, if you don't mind. But again, it looks as he has agreed to serve as CEO. His main thing is to set the strategic direction. Because that, in other words, is saying we have been rudderless. We have been going in the wrong direction this whole time. And that's what we think. The other thing is two years to identify and ready a successor to take over. Now, the Bob Chapek one did not work out. I, I would go so far as to say that Bob Chapek's selection as the successor to Bob Iger might be the biggest failure of Bob Iger's illustrious career. And it's you got to go back to the drawing board. They learn from their mistakes, go back. Now let's identify the right person and then let's give them a real good long amount of time to be, to be under your tutelage of how to get that. But first, set the direction and then bring in somebody who, unlike Bob Chapek, immediately stepped in and said... Yeah, what Iger was doing was dumb. Iger doesn't know what he's doing. Let's completely change everything that Iger set up. No, no, no. Mr. Iger, the board said to Bob Iger, come in, set us on the right path, and then bring in somebody who's actually going to execute that path you set us on. Because we need to get back to the days of success after success. And listen, the challenge is not small. I, I can't even say, I think Big Pop Iger is the best executive in entertainment history, but there's nothing to say he's going to be able to do it in two years. So it may or may not work. But I want to point out one other big thing here. Something else happened that we are not being told. Oh. I 100% guarantee you that something else happened that we are not being told. John, let me ask you this. <laughs> How much money do you think they shelled out to Bob Iger? And remember, they have to pay off JPEG's contract. Uh, a contract which was just renewed for another three years. Uh, oh, listen. I never like to hear about somebody losing their job, but shed no tears for, for, for Bobby Chapek because he's going to sleep just fine tonight with his hundreds of millions of dollars. He'll be okay. Yeah, going to, but the, the, this was, I think people have to understand this was an ex incredibly expensive 
transition. That's how important it was that they get rid of them, despite yeah. the fact that the price tag this is going to carry. And there hasn't even been any notification about I don't think there ever will be. But I guess they're going to have to at some point because of shareholders. It's a publicly traded company. Yeah, they, they have to know. But here's the thing. They just renewed, which we were not surprised about. We said he was going to get the renewal. I said he's going to get the renewal, but he's not going to last to the end of the renewal. I didn't think it would be this soon. But I said he's not going to make it to the end of the renewal. But here's the thing. They just renewed him. For them to go just, yeah. what is it, a month and a half ago? Yeah, about months that. Ago, from, oh, just renewing him for, to three years to making a move of ousting him now, that tells me the final straw hit. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I have seen no evidence of. Let me make that very clear. So, listen, I know some other outlets, when I say some stuff about some things I speculate or I hear, this all of a sudden other outlets run with it as headlines. Let me be very, very cautious to everybody. Do not run this as a headline. I am telling you something that I have heard, but I don't know that I have a lot of faith in it and I have no evidence to back it up. But in the initial Hollywood Reporter story, they mentioned an emergency meeting of the board. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Bob Chapek is no longer CEO. What I have heard, and again, I have nothing to back this up with, so I'm not even sure I believe this entirely, but it does line up with what we've heard. I have heard that the head of Disney studio, that's not the overall Disney, but the actual uh, live action movie production arm of Disney, the company that would make uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, for example. I heard that the main guy over Disney motion pictures, the main head over Pixar and Kevin Feige collectively went and talked to some board members to express dissatisfaction now whether that meant ultimatums of he goes or we go or and i i don't know if any of that's true i don't know if that's real but whether it's that if it's not that it's something else that would be equally seismic because this company it is not good for your stock to do ceo shakeups even if you're bringing in the greatest of all time bob Iger, it is not good for your stocks to do big massive shakeup it shows instability it shows chaos and those are things that the market doesn't like so it had to be something so seismic that they had to say listen we can't do this anymore i don't know rob what do you think well i think that i think you're right because you know last week it's funny i listened to a lot of npr driving to and from the studio and there's a lot i love uh there's a show in the afternoons about money and they're, they're, they were talking about, they had a guy on talking about the fact that $4 billion lost in streaming. And there's all these cutbacks in terms of, oh, we got to cut back content. Well, according to you, what you said, the emergency meeting, these are all content providers. And these content providers, they're the backbone of what, I mean, everything they make, everything that Pixar makes, that Marvel makes, that live action Disney makes, including Lucasfilm, all of that filters down to the rest of their business their theme park business, their cruise business, these things, m merchandising and streaming. I mean, it, it is it is there. It, it is the DNA of the company is what these people are making and they're being hampered. So they're like, um, if we can't do what we're here to do, if there's a problem, the rest of the company and I can. That's why when you say the three of those people got together, I believe something like that happened because the reason that the company's streaming fortunes are down is not because of the content. It's the expectations that they're placing on things. There's only so many houses that people can 
put Disney Plus into. There has been, I think, a, a, a the expectation has been set in the wrong direction. And if you look at where Chapek, Chapek is a corporate animal. Whereas Bob Iger came from outside that. He worked his way up in other different businesses. Bob Chapek has been a Disney. He's a lifer. You know, he was a guy that came up with that corporate structure. So what do you do in a corporation? Yeah, let's bring in more bankers. That's that's his world. So what he didn't have is dealing with creative people. And yet Disney's bread and butter, their DNA is because of creative people. And if you're not servicing those people and you're 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 focusing more. And by on the, the way, that's not just in the movie world as well. It's the creative people who run their cruises, the creative people who drive their theme parks. Creatives are important across the entire Disney. Oh, uh, well, well, you know what they wanted to do? Another thing, they wanted to take all the Disney Imagineers and move them to Florida yeah. over the last two years. And people were like, wait, what? You know, and all these people that working, imagine the Disney Imagineers were based here. I mean, yeah, they go to other places too, but they wanted to move the kit and caboodle. How do you think that went over? With Disney Imagineers who have homes and families and everybody's here in Southern California. Not well. So that was another thing that we don't hear about because it's not as sexy, but it still happened. So anyway, I think I totally believe what you're saying about this emergency meeting. I, I, I don't have any reason. I don't know anybody that's no one's told me that. I don't know. But I could totally see that happening because they're fed up. Now, another question that's come up uh, on this actually. Harloff called. Harloff was recording his show earlier today, and out of nowhere, without giving me a heads up, he just called me in the middle of his show. So, and one of the things that Harloff asked me was, you know, a lot of people, John, are saying that this means Kathleen Kennedy is going to be out now too, right? Because you know she hasn't made. You can't have this Star Wars franchise like you've pointed this out many times, and not put out movies. Where are the movies? And one of the things I said, well, here's the thing you got to keep in mind. I have heard, and again, I don't have anything to back this up with, but other people have heard this too. I'm not the only one. Other people have heard this as well, that the lack of movies coming out of Star Wars was actually a Chapek directive. Yeah. That Chapek directed that there weren't going to be any movies coming out right now. But on top of that, if anything, the return of Bob Iger kind of solidifies Kathleen Kennedy because Iger is a Kennedy ally. Um, and now I still don't believe that I believe her current deal deal takes her to 2025. I personally don't believe Kathleen Kennedy makes it to that or past it, I should say, but I don't think she's going to go anywhere immediately. If anything, I think Iger is going to want to, in the midst of all the chaos and the shakeup, Iger's going to want to steady things pretty quickly. And the last thing that I think Iger wants to do now is start replacing the studio heads as well. So I think that's going to be a difficult thing. Well, and Lucasfilm right now is in a pretty stable place. You've got Willow that's about to start. Which you, looks better than I thought it would. And people are saying it's good. You've got Indiana Jones in the uh, on the horizon, which is a big, big, that's one of Disney's big tentpole movies in 2023. You've got Andor doing, burning up, maybe not viewership, but getting critical accolades. You've got Mandalorian season three in the wings, which people can't wait for. I'm sure it's going to be great with the retaking of Mandalore or people whatever. People are excited about um, Ahsoka. Yeah, so, so there's nothing in, like, we're, we're sort of past Rise of Skywalker and Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan are in the rearview mirror. But all of those were good. They were good bets at first on paper. It wasn't like that was a stupid thing to do. And let's face it, too. As much as I didn't like Obi-Wan or Book of Boba Fett, they did get viewership. Yeah, they, they got, got, few, they got they're, strong yeah, viewership. There's no, so Lucasfilm is in. Look, th this whole thing, people haven't understood how business works. You know, Kathleen Kennedy, if you look at what she tried to do, hiring Lord Miller to make Solo, 
that was a really interesting, gutsy, ballsy move. The directors that came off 21 and 22 Jump Street, the guys who made Into the Spider-Verse, they hadn't done that at the time, but they made Solo. That, that it didn't work out is not Kathleen Kennedy's fault. Sometimes people just don't work together. It was gutsy for her to try and hire them in the first place. But now people blame her for that. But she was doing something out of the box. She is not somebody who interferes with the filmmakers. So if it doesn't work out with their filmmakers, that's something she's not. Yeah. Now, I have several criticisms of Kathleen Kennedy. And, and sure. I think it's good for her to move on once she gets of to course, the end of, the of course. Because she, no, I don't she's think. she's also done, hey, credit where it's due. She's done some good things. She's scored some big wins. She's not a big Star Wars fan in general, just in real life. I don't think she's a big fan, and and that's fine. So she'll go on and do other things. But I, I do think that Lucasfilm's in a pretty good place right now. Now, as far as the question the person who wrote in is asking, when are we going to start to see the results? Well, it's the same thing like we said under any big leadership change, like James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over DC Films. You're not going to feel the effects immediately. Like as far as from a viewership point of view, what you're going to see is that you're going to see um, some – Org structure changes. Like, I think one of the things Bob Chapek will do within the first four months is get rid of a lot of those middle Bob management. Iger. Bob Iger, sorry. Yeah. One of the first things you're going to see Bob Iger do is eliminate a lot of those middle management levels that uh, Chapek put into place. I think the next guy who's really in trouble, oh, I'm for, forgetting is the gentleman's name, who is, kind of became his Chapek's main lieutenant, the guy who came from the back, banking background, who kind of had all the power in the world. I think his job is the next one to go. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of those behind the scene things that will then set up what we feel differently down the line. But it's going to be a while before we see the effects of it. But it's a move they had to make. And listen, I'm not going to lie. I love this news. I love it. I, I have not been a fan of the way Chapek has run this company. I'm not going to lie to you. I have not been a big fan of Disney the last couple of years as a company. I've liked a lot of their content that they put out, but I'm not a big fan of the company and I haven't been a big fan of the company for the last couple uh, of years. Big question is with this news, you're going to go back to Disneyland? Fuck no. <laughs> no, I need to see, no, no, no. I, I will never, I will never darken the door of Disneyland again, unless they make some pretty big fundamental changes. I don't know. Maybe big Papa Iger will come in and make some of those changes. But as of right now, no, my wife is going to Disneyland twice in the next week. Once with our friend Martika and once with our friend Tommy. Uh, she's going to Disneyland twice this week. She's like, come on, are you sure you don't want to go? I'm like, baby, I love you. And I, if you want to go to Disneyland, I want you to have all the fun in the world. But I will never go back to that place again. <clears throat> anyway, there's a whole story behind that. At any rate, um, this is huge. And I love the fact that Bob Iger's come back. Again, you never celebrate the fact that somebody's lost their job. But Bob Chapek losing this job is not like you or I losing our jobs. He's got... Tons more money coming from Disney. He's going to get a sweet parachute deal. Hey, listen, he gets to say in his career, he ran the best entertainment company in the world at Disney, all that kind of stuff. And listen, again, I never want to lose fact. As much as I trash the job that he did, I want us never to lose the fact that this guy stepped in an impossible situation. I may not have approved of the job that he did, but could a lot of people have stepped in and done a great job given the circumstances? I'm not sure they could have. So I want to give Bob Chapek some credit there. It was a very difficult situation, but they had to get rid of him, and I'm glad they did. And he did work his way up. I mean, he was at Disney for decades. Yeah. You know, you don't stay at Disney if you're an incompetent boob. 
And he did a lot of work that people really respected. And I think that he'll find another job in corporate America. How many people How many people have the experience of being at a company like Disney at the level he was at for as long but as he was at? If you're Bob Chapek, why would you want to work another day of your life? I would. Do you know how much money this dude's going to have in his bank account? Yeah, now? I know. There's just a, a drive to lead. I've often thought about that, too. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you made it. Go enjoy life. But they have this drive to lead. Yeah, or maybe he'll take his, his money and start up something new. And that's his. But also, I want to point out something else. Again, absolutely no evidence. There's absolutely no evidence that Kevin Feige had something to do with this. No. Even though I've, I've heard some things. But there's no evidence that he did. But if he did, just theoretically speaking, hypothetically speaking, if he did, listen, what do they call uh, Jamie again in Game of Thrones? The Kingslayer? Right. Kevin Feige's a Kingslayer because he got rid of Ike Perlmutter. He was, I mean, Ike Perlmutter was his boss at Disney for a lot of years and as soon as he said something to Bob Iger and the and, and Alan Horn, the up the up saying, I can't work under that guy anymore. No problem, Kevin. Then that guy's gone and he's gone. And I'm just saying if and again, this is purely unfounded speculation based on something that I heard that I'm not even sure I believe. But I have very little doubt that on top of all those things that we already went, that huge laundry list, a, <laughs> that huge laundry list <laughs> of stuff that we already went through. If Kevin Feige then went to the board with a couple of the other studio heads and said to board members, we can't work under this guy anymore. What do you think the Disney board's going to do? Well, they're going to say, okay, then, then, then Chapex again, but then again, that again, that's completely baseless, pure speculation. But Feige, if you just look at the box office numbers of those films that are now a cornerstone of Disney's streaming empire and also their entire merchandising, they're building the parks around Marvel characters. Kevin Feige is literally responsible for $30 billion worth of revenue coming in yep. just on the movies that he's making. I mean, can you imagine if he keeps going with Marvel for however long, for another 20 years, that could be $50 billion or even $100 billion. One dude, and Victoria Alonso and Louis Desposito, or Louis Desposito, this is, this is big money. Executives do not trump people that can bring in this many billions of dollars into a company through their creative endeavors. I mean, it's, it makes him a very big power player there, even though he's only, he is lower on the totem pole. But I mean, again, when, I would the moment Chapek started taking away Feige's power, that's when I said to you, I said, this is not going to go over well. Also, if the ability for him to do his job, to bring in that money into the yeah. studio, that was that probably carried a lot of weight between Pixar, Marvel, and whatever. Maybe maybe another executive, maybe even Kathleen Kennedy was part of that. I, and I wouldn't doubt it. Again, an, an Iger ally. And the most important thing here, I, I think, is this, is that, I mean, Bob Iger is now the Michael Corleone of Disney. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. And it's true. And one other big thing to note, he's not the chairman of the board this time. When Bob Iger was running Disney, he was supreme untouched power. He was both the chairman of the board and CEO. Disney right now has another chairman of the board. So Bob Iger will be working with a board that he does not run. But I still, I think they're going to give him all the power and all the leeway that they that he's going to want to try to set things back on the right path and what i read before right before the show started the disney stock price was up eight percent right now i expect that to settle again because the the stock market does not like instability and no, this is course. a sign of instability but hopefully things change. anyway guys we could talk about this for another hour and i'm sure as we get into your live questions <laughs> there's going to be more to talk about this bob chapek bob Iger situation but we'll get to those in a second for now what do you guys think about this? This is a day that will be long remembered. 
Bob Chapek is out. Big Papa Iger returns. Bob Iger is back in charge for at least the next couple of years to reset the direction of Disney and to get in and groom an actual successor to carry on that vision, not to come in and trash it and replace it with something far inferior. How do you guys feel about this? What parts of the story stand out the most to you? Whatever your thoughts are, jump into the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we are now going to move open over to take your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions. You got something to say about this Bob Iger situation? Maybe something about the Chris Hemsworth situation. Maybe something about Indy 5. Maybe something about Jason from Power Rangers. Whatever it is, jump on down into the Super Chats because we have now opened up our Super Chats. You guys can go in there now and start leaving your thoughts and questions there. And we will get to those questions as soon as we come back from another sponsor break. And we want to thank the main sponsors of our show, my mobile phone service provider, Ryan Reynolds' own company, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Guys, you know I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal, and I have to say it is the perfect time to switch. Since I I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been spending one third of what I used to spend on my mobile service with the other big name company. And with this buy three months, get three months free, not only is it a great choice for you, but it makes great gifts for the people you love. Mint Mobile's best offer of the year is here. By going online only and with eSIM and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes those significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device, for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a selected device and plan. So guys, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com campia. And thank you to Ryan Reynolds and our friends at Mint Mobile for being a sponsor of the John Campia Show. All right, guys. With that down, let's do what we're here to do. Let's hear from you guys, your thoughts, theories, and opinions about this. Uh, we, we said that we only leave the Super Chats open for a couple of minutes. You guys have already filled it up. So let's get in there. Alou, what do we got in the Super Chats? All righty. We got uh, Mark Vobla with some support there. And then we got Dumbrador with, I didn't <laughs> like Bob as CEO, but I liked how Bob ran it before Bob took over. So I'm glad Bob is back to replace Bob. Who Bob got to replace Bob in 2020? What about Bob? Yeah, what I was going to say that. What about Bob? What was it? Somebody in the in the live chat that called. If we had an, a title for today's episode, it should be the last paycheck. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Bob that. the last paycheck. Bob and Bob. Hey, look, you already heard me like accidentally say Bob Chapek instead of Bob. I will get back to it. Big Papa's back. That's the important thing. All right. What's next? Oh, uh, and just real quick, I wanted to say that uh, it's Dante gifted five John Campia. Memories. Oh, thank you so much, man. This is incredibly generous of you, dude. Mm -hmm. All right. What's next? Jay Master says between Peter Rice, Kevin Feige, or who would mm -hmm. Bob Iger will bring into the train as his successor of CEO of Disney. The return of the king is back. All worship the altar of Big Papa. Iger. The answer to that is neither. <laughs> uh, neither of them have see here's the interesting thing a lot of us in, in the movie fan circles we forget Disney is much more than just a movie company mm -hmm. we primarily focus on that and, and area of it is entertainment right but it's 
Disney cruises, Disney experiences, it's merchandising, it's Disney parks, it's all that. So these are things that Kevin Feige has no experience in whatsoever. It's also not what Peter is experienced in and what he can do. Now, I could see a Kevin Feige taking over the old Alan Horn role where Kevin Feige maybe oversees all of the Disney studios. He oversees Pixar and Marvel and Star Wars and Disney live action and Disney animation. I could see that happening, but neither of those would be appropriate or uh, even competent choices to take over the CEO of the entire international corporation because that's something they have absolutely zero experience in. They're, they're going to want to stay in stuff that's creative. All right, what's next? Guillaume Labelle says... Guillaume. Oh, Guillaume. Oh, my goodness. Guillaume. Uh, Iger says, kickstore to Chapek's office. Chapek, Disney CEO, immunity. Iger, it's just been revoked. It's just been revoked. <laughs> Get the hell off my plane. <laughs> it's like the guy in Lethal Weapon 2. Diplomatic community. <laughs> I, I still... Listen, the, the writing was on the wall. As soon as Bob Chapek started making those changes, and Bob Iger... Who doesn't say he's he's a PR guy. He schmoozes and he's a relationship guy. And Bob Iyer coming out when he started saying publicly, yeah, I'm kind of concerned about the direction things are going. <laughs> like that said the world to everything. And I, I think that started the fuse that we've seen now kind of hit the end of it and explode now. So we'll see. All right. What's next? In the words of Lion King, the king has returned. Suthia <laughs> <Yes. laughs> says, y'all, I'm sorry, but I was not invested one bit in Wakanda forever. Why? Because I couldn't see a damn thing. It was so hard to see faces. Whoever's in charge of the projector should be behind bars. You know, it's funny, Rob, because you, I remember, I, I'm going to ask you to elaborate on your experience because we've heard from you and a number of other people that, the, the the theaters they were in were really, really dark. But like myself and I think Jonathan Voiko, yeah. we were both in theaters where we had no problems no, doing great. everything. Yeah. So I, I don't know what that was, but you had a pretty big problem when you saw it. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that when they send movies to theaters now digitally, they send them as what are called DCPs, digital cinema packages. Yes. They're a collection of different um, uh, files, audio files, video files. And it really depends how the files have to be processed. And I think in the case of Wakanda Forever, some of these DCPs, because this wasn't a, in my theater, it wasn't an instance of just it being dim. It looked to me like there was missing information or it was it was done incorrectly because you have to make sure, like if you're doing sound, if you're doing, say, a 5.1 mix or something, you have to make sure it's ordered properly on the file. Sometimes people misorder it. Like on the latest Blu-ray of Escape from, or the, 4k of escape from la that came out on shout factory they mislabeled so the surround the the center channel is around the surround channels the mistake happens all the time i really do believe that certain dcps that were sent out to theaters had a mis an actual mistake in the file that made them too dim all right what's next okay i skipped jim xm will peter rice become the next Iger, john um no he will not because again, there's a whole element of stuff that Peter Rice has absolutely zero experience in. But I, I mean, I could see him returning to the fold. I could see Iger bringing him back again and giving him a lofty position uh, in the entertainment division. But again, I, I don't see either him or Feige becoming the next Bob Iger. I could see them maybe becoming the next Alan Horn. So that's possibility. Anyway. All right. What's next? A Marcellus says with a $20 super oh, yeah. chat. Thank you. A Marcellus. The loss of Jason David Frank Hurts, not only my favorite ranger, but a lifesaver. My friend went through his own depression, and JDF gave him some encouraging words at a Comic-Con. 
Rest in peace and thank you for saving my friend's life. Wow. I mean, listen, I, I have never spoken to anybody that had an experience with him that didn't say it was a profoundly positive one. And that says a lot because a lot of celebrities, you hear some good stories, you hear some bad stories. I've never heard anybody say they had an experience with him that was bad. I never heard one person say, yeah, I met him at a Comic-Con and he was a jerk or anything like that. He was always from everything that I've seen and heard. And I, again, I didn't know him personally, but everything I've seen and heard has been, he was always great with his fans. He was always making himself available to them. Uh, he was always very kind. So uh, I, and I, again, I know he was, I think he, I read that he was going through a divorce and things like yeah. that. And it, again, just remember guys, whenever everybody, again, it's, it's that old saying, everybody you meet or everybody you converse with online or whatever, they're fighting a battle you don't know about. And it might be something that's totally tearing their life apart. And you just don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a sad thing, but it's true. And I think this is something for us to always be aware of. All right. What's next? Prady Iyer says, Justin Lin, Tyrese Gibson, and Vin Diesel have all confirmed in the past that the two-part finale, Fast 10 and Fast 11, are being shot together. So maybe the $340 million production cost is the combined budget of the Fast 10 and Fast 11. No, it's been confirmed that that's not the case. The $340 million that the major trade reported on is specifically for the one film. Were it for the two films... I mean, that would be a, what, $170 million yeah, budget? Yeah, that's no big deal. Each, which, which, hey, you know what? That's actually pretty, and you could save some money shooting them back to back. That would actually be pretty good. But no, everything we've heard, it's specifically for Fast 10. All right, what's next? Cosmic says, Bob Chapek forgot to delete his browsing history before he was told to leave. <laughs> Iger is like, why is there so many tissues in this door? Ouch. Oh my, come on. Man. Hey, don't judge a man. <laughs> don't judge a man. Whatever gets you, remember what, uh, what Matthew <laughs> McConaughey said in Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, oh, oh. What he told. Hey, something grew that beard on his face. That's, oh, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. What's next? Stubble McShave says, would like to see a 30-year segment on Rewind. Lots of good 90s movies. Also, Die Another Day is the worst Bond movie so far, uh, by far, for so many reasons. I, I would submit that there are several worst Bond movies. Yeah, I, I would, too. <laughs> I would, too. I mean, but here's... Yeah, I, I've thought before, but honestly... I mean, we could add 30, I suppose, but then, you know, we do that and then the question is going to be, well, why don't we do 40 and why don't we do 50? And then suddenly it becomes a really, I don't know, 30 is something, you know what, uh, Ray, no. can you put it, put in a, a poll for our uh, viewers right now. If, do you know, do you know how to add a poll? Uh, I think so. Okay. Or I'll add the poll. I'll put in a poll right now. I say, I, I, I want everyone to vote no, please. For that, yeah. Ray wants to know, do I take uh, graphics or, you no. know, you know if you look at the demographics of our audience, um, 20 years is that sweet spot. 30 years is too much because that means when did you start watching movies regularly? That right. meant something to you, not when you're 10. Well, I'll leave it to you guys right now because I have now put, if you guys are watching live, I've put in the live chat a poll that is simply asking, yes, uh, simply should asking. we add 30 years to rewind? Well, so I'm far, it's trending I, I toward yes. more work for Ray. <laughs> yeah, it does equal more work for Ray. Yeah. Right now, we've got about 218 votes. 67% are saying yes. 33% are so, you know, I'll leave that poll up for now. We'll come back and visit that again. I in think a that's the age when you begin to, like, realize that movies mean something to you. Because, oh, like, yeah. people were just talking about, you know, Jason David Frank and how, you know, you they were really young when they saw, you know, uh, all the Power Rangers and just how that shaped their kind of identity. Right. Of but then we have 27-year-olds watching the show who yeah. weren't alive yeah. in the 30-year-old <laughs> Right. So there's that, too. Yeah. All right. What's next? Let's see. We got Ben Rayner with a $50, $50 super chat, super Ben. Thank chat. you so much, man, for supporting us like that. Hi, guys. The loss of Jason David Frank hit me hard, guys. He was uh, my generation's Optimus Prime. Mm. He was so many kids' heroes. 
We're all going to miss him. I remember coming home and running to watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers every day after school. Rest in peace, JDF, a.k.a. Tommy. Rest in peace. I mean, again, the, the Power Rangers was not, for me, that show. I mean, I definitely watched it a bit. I, I knew, you know, and but to me, he was the face of it. And for people who did, and there were a bunch of people who grew up watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It yep. was a huge, huge pop cultural thing. It's still around today, and they're still making content today. And he was the face of that. And, you know, it, it's it's an amazing thing how special we realize a lot of these people are who, because I remember when Carrie Fisher died or even going back further. I remember when Robin Williams died and it was the first time that I ever felt emotion over the loss of a celebrity. And I remember I, I pondered that and I, and I came to the conclusion that, you know what it is? It's that I don't think in many ways our emotional center in our brains understands the difference between what is happening in our real life and what we watch on screen because I spent a lot of hours of my life with Robin Williams on my TV screen and in a movie screen. And I spent a lot of time. He made me laugh and he made me cry and he entertained me. And he, he was a companion to me as a film watcher for a lot of years. And so when he died, I think my emotional center doesn't make that distinction. It's just this person who I had spent so much important time with. And then it was even double that when Carrie Fisher passed away. Like I, I was broken when I found a Carrie Fisher died, who I had like briefly met on a couple of occasions, but did not know me. I did not know her, but it was like, I spent so much of my life with her in that way that it really hit us. And I think that's the same thing that we're seeing happen with a lot of fans. Of my I, I totally, dude, I totally agree with you. And that's a thing as a movie fan, as somebody who, who watches a lot of entertainment. I mean, for me, when Leonard Nimoy passed away, it was shattering. I was depressed for mm. a week and I'd met him, you know, I'd been to his house and, and, and shot a video with him at one point. And, and it was, it, it's terrible because they do, people live in your head. There, who's to say, I've always said that the reason we rewatch re movies over and over again is because they're our friends. Like, I know the Corleone family. Yeah. They're friends of mine. They're good friends to have. I was just, I was just uh, enjoying them the other day as I was uh, hooking up the uh, media room. All right. What's next? Jay says, with Papa Iger back, how do you think Kevin Feige re regains all decisioning-making authority? Do you think that successor could be Feige? No, the, again, I can understand, the, but no, Feige, I'll tell you straight up, Feige would be an awful choice. <laughs> a guy who has absolutely zero business acumen, zero things about running a corporation or theme parks or cruise lines. No, but maybe Alan Hornsick. Does he get his authority reinstated? Oh, hell Yes. I think that's going to be one of the first things that big and now you can't do everything overnight. Corporations are a big moving. It's like uh, what Brian Cox says in succession. I'm trying to steer a tanker. Like it's, it's a huge undertaking, but yeah, I think you're going to see that the creatives are going to be getting their power back at Disney. And I think that's gonna be one of the first things that Bob Iger does. All right. What's next? And billion sucks. And billion sucks. <laughs> Stubble McShave says it's Scott Mance's birthday, a release date. He knows. <laughs> I, uh, yep. I uh, I gave uh, I uh, gave a little shout to Scott Mance. Of course, our friend, you've seen him on our show a lot. I've never seen anybody who does more moderating at premieres and Q&A screenings than Scott. He's the man in Hollywood to do that. Yep. And of course, we love having him on the show. He's in my documentary. Yep. Uh, we love Scotty Mance. I told everybody on Twitter, I said, wish Scott Mance a happy birthday. And then you tell him, 
your birthday and make him tell you what movie was released the day you were born. And he could do it. I'm sure he'd love that. He was the best at movie dates I've ever seen. All right, what's next? Yasmar Hidalgo says, hey, John, any chance Chapek can fill in for Aaron on Thursdays when she's busy? An internship would do him some good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear Chapek's got some free time now. <laughs> he come in. Don't laugh, though. Don't laugh. I, I, don't, I don't even mean this in a, a, a satirical way. I bet Bob Chapek would be an awesome movie pundit. I, I bet you he'd be a great pundit. I bet you he really would. The insider stories he would have and all that kind of stuff. I bet he's still court, a fan of Bob. physical media. Yeah, there you go. The invitation's open, Bob. We know you got some free time now. I think he'd be great. Just rock that beard. You'd be good to go. You you sitting beside Bob Chapek, you'd be like the <laughs> legion they keep of beard. It trimmed. It's the legion of beard. The le- Guys who know how to rock but the I'll beard. I'll even shave my head. If Bob Chapek comes on this show, I will shave my head and trim my beard just like him. <laughs> I think you got a power power twins right there. I will do it. Power. You'd be like an SNL version of Bob Chapek. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's next? M. Jada says, Mad said mistakes of the past, not his past. Uh, but but the, the way you read it, though, it's very, very much sounds like he wants to ease. Like he wants to go back and correct mistakes. Yeah, to bring back the fatherland. <laughs> so again, maybe it is. Maybe it's the mistakes that led to the Nazis losing. He wants to correct that, and Indy needs to stop him. I, I mean, if he's Tote's grandson, maybe he knows what island he <laughs> yeah, has to go back to. I don't think they and... will do that, but boy, he does rock the Tote vibes, doesn't he? I mean, what if he steals the Ark of the Covenant back in that day? By the way, still Somehow. one of the greatest movie moments to me that lives forever i mean obviously when everybody thinks of the first raiders they think of him pulling out the gun and shooting the guy that's great but to me is when he goes into marion's bar and he reaches out his hand and his henchman hands him what looks like some kind of nunchuck weapon yeah and he's going to torch and it's a coat hanger i that to me i don't know why when i was a kid and i watched that for the first time to me that was one of the greatest movie moments ever i love that all right what's next it's Zanti with the $50 super chat. Thank you, man. That's incredibly generous of you, dude. <laughs> Says, I believe it, John, when Chapek took away Feige's ability to choose how his films are marketed and where the films would appear, streaming or theater, it was over. I honestly feel like this is a sign for me to quit my own toxic job. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, I, I've had a lot of people. It's funny. I did, uh, I did Ask Me Anything over the weekend. And I had people writing in that too, about asking about when it's time to move on from a job and stuff like that. And look, that's, that's a very personal decision and every situation is completely unique to yourself. Um, but, and again, well, I'll I, see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> bad timing, bad timing. But I mean, I, again, I, I want to make it really, really clear. We have no verifiable evidence at all that Kevin Feige had anything to do with Bob Chapek departing. All we do know is that something happened. <laughs> something Because you don't just renew the guy's three-year contract and then fire him a few weeks later. That no. Something JK. else happened that we don't know about. And, and, you know, that's the thing that gets me, is it was that decision that has now cost them a pretty penny. Oh, in the in the... Three, three, or the we would call it twelve digits, at least. What would hundred million be? How many digits is that? Uh-oh. Seven would be a million. Eight would be ten. Nine, yeah, nine digits in the nine digits realm. It's, it's it, yeah, it's, it's three years of money, whatever his compensation plus potential bonuses. Did they have to pay him on a certain sliding scale of bonuses? If oh, and I guarantee you had a golden parachute built in too. Yeah. Early termination of the contract, I bet comes along with a twenty million dollar bonus or something like that. Again, we don't know, but. 
He made sure he was positioned. I mean, maybe tomorrow we're going to hear that Lucasfilm is going to announce the Bob Chapek produced Star Wars movie to join the litany of all the other Star Wars movies. That will never happen. Yeah, that's that's what they do. Let's just let's let's put him in there. All right. By the way, I'm going to stop the poll now. We have uh, 1,300 votes on the poll Mm -hmm. asking, should we add 30 years to rewind? (laughs) 70% said yes. In a landslide victory. Wow. I was wrong. That's real. All right. They just added added 30 years to raise life. (laughs) No, we'll just. uh, Next. Next week, yeah. I guess we'll do 10, yeah, Adam, 20, and Adam, we'll just do 40s, too. 50s. <laughs> 40s, 50s, whatever you want. <laughs> All right, what's oh, next? This is like the breakfast club. You want a, You want another one? You want 50? Come on, say another word. 50. <laughs> you get the horns. Anubis right. Genocide says, rest in peace, David... Uh, Jason David Frank, the Black Dino Thunder Ranger, the Red Turbo, the Red Zeo Ranger, and Mighty Morphin's White Ranger, and the best of them all that shaped my childhood and the Green Power Ranger. Yeah, I still remember when, like, he came, because initially when he came on, when Green Ranger first appeared, he was a bad guy. And then uh, saw the light, became a good guy, mm-hmm. and then became the White Ranger and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I, again, it's just, you can't underestimate how special, as ridiculous as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is. What? You cannot re- begin to deny the, the, the following it had, how special it was to how many people. And, and again, to me, he was the face of that. When, at, when all was said and done, he was the face of the friend, the most recognizable face. And I think this, is, this hurt a lot of people when they found out about this. All right, what's next? Sin Vendetta says, am I the only one that when I hear Rise of the Guardians, I always think about the movie Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul that came out two years prior in 2010. Uh, I was going to mention that. Yes, the Owl movie came out around the same time and people were really Mm -hmm. confused. By Zack Snyder's movie. Zack Snyder's movie. By the way, one of my favorite Zack Snyder movies. I I don't know why he hasn't done more animation because he did that one. It didn't make a lot of money. It didn't make a big impact. I'll tell you what. I think Owls of Gahul is great. I really like that movie a lot. It's it's, good. And from a story point of view, it's one of Zack Snyder's best directed movies. Come on, dude. Honestly, no when your show punch. notes came out, no Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch would be his worst. Sucker Punch would be, unfortunately, Depends his worst. Depends what point of view you're coming from. <laughs> it's true. All right, what's next? Ricky Bizarro says, haven't been able to write in for months now. I've been in my first semester of college. Got oh, out wow. early today. So just want to say love you guys. Listen every day. Thanks for everything. Oh, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. And good on you for focusing on your studies, doing mm-hmm. what you need to do. Hopefully you're still watching the show even when it's not live, but it's great to have you here. Good luck on the rest of your uh, academic career. We hope you do really well, man. All right, mm-hmm. what's next? CJ Rebirth says, you can't rob us. I'm not effing around. Wham, go get the drinks. Hermione just stole all our sheets. That's from... Um, I don't know what that's from. That is from uh, uh, This is the End. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. That, that movie is funny. I mean, and I the ending of it, the big musical number at the end of it is like so out of nowhere and ridiculous. <laughs> I love that that movie got made. Yeah. Because that is that movie has, well, not just the devil's balls, but that movie has <laughs> balls. And uh, it, it's it's very funny. And the fact that they used all their, they got all their friends to come play. Yeah. It's great. Michael Sarah is pretty damn funny. In that so movie. good. <laughs> All right, what's next? Daniel Vasquez says, since Bob Iger is back for a couple years, can he find a way to promote Strange World last minute in order to be a box, <laughs> box office success? Yeah, I'm expecting that to land with a thud. That, I, I, I mean, listen, it's a family movie. It's a Disney movie. It's going to make some money. But I, I think this is going to be a resounding flop for them. They <laughs> never marketed or promoted this movie at all. Here's what I don't get. 
How does Seeing Red wind up on Disney Plus and Strange World get a theatrical release? Yeah. I, How does that happen? I'll tell you what. Other people who are asking that question are the Pixar employees. They're like, yeah. tell us how this happens. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, look, for all we know, this is going to end up being the best Disney animated film since Cinderella. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But all I know is that they have shown zero confidence in this movie. They've done hardly a damn thing to promote it. And, and, and what little promotion they put out has been pretty damn pathetic. So I, I'm not expecting big things. I hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Fingers crossed, but I'm not expecting good things. Alu, are you going to see it? Hmm. And you're our, you're our <laughs> you're Disney, Disney. Yeah, to Disney No, place. I was going to say, am I the only one that's been seeing the promotions everywhere for Strange World? I, have, I literally I, have a Strange World poster now because I got it like. Well, maybe they kicked it into I saw, high like, gear. one commercial. I really? Think I saw, like, I've never seen it all over. More. But um, yeah, I think that might be one that I might do on Disney Plus. Wow. I think. God, that's that all I need to hear. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be bad or anything. I'm just saying I got to, you know, save those uh, movie going experiences for things I'm a little more pumped for. All right. What's next? <laughs> Ryan Loner says Bob Iger enters the next board meeting. So you couldn't live with your failure. And where did it bring you back to me? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, what they must have paid him has cannot be inconsequential. Now, you can make the argument that, listen, Bob Iger is one of the biggest shareholders of Disney. So you could make the argument, maybe you didn't even have to pay him that much because just trying to get the Disney stock back on on track can make him billions. And, and right. maybe that's his motive. I guarantee you they had to go to him and say, we need you back. Actually, they may have guilt tripped him a bit too and said, look, you said you wanted Chapek. And we did Chapek. We need you. You're the only guy who can fix this, but we need you. To, you're also kind of obligated to come back and clean up your mess. Like, no, I think I they mean, paid him. Oh, I have no doubt. I think they, they paid, paid him, him a lot of money. I, and the thing is, and, and because you have to, you have to, people like him at his level, they get paid with their worth. And, you know, what is it worth to you? He, what is he means the world. But I'll tell you this, too. There is no way that in in the days leading up to him handing over the reins to Bob Chapek, that Chapek ever said to him, oh, yeah, Bob, I'm going to completely undo everything you've done. I'm going to take power away from your creatives. I'm going to create these new layers of middle management. I'm going to put bankers in charge of creative process decision making. I'm gonna, I guarantee you he never did that. So that's why when he started doing it, Bob Iger got in the press and said, uh, yeah, I'm a little concerned about this. Like, so it's one of those things where, you kind of say you're going to do something to get the job and then you never do it. It's kind of like those people say, yeah, I got my degree from Yale and it turns out they went to public for high school and that was about it. So I, there might've been a little bit of that in there too. All right. What's next? Jedediah Elias says Bob Chapek or Adam Aaron. Here, here, I'll say this. Chapek, while he has done some really, in my estimation, some really dumb things, he never did anything that I call his basic morality into question, right? He's never done anything. He's made what I think are bad decisions, but he's never done anything that I think you are a vile person. And for all I know, Adam Aaron is also not a vile person. Okay, let me just be very clear about that. He's very well could be a wonderful, wonderful man. But he, Adam Aaron, the, the CEO of AMC Theaters, has done things that made me go, that is a vile, vile thing. That Supreme High Lord jackass <laughs> t 
took a $9 million bonus when he laid off 30,000 people from their jobs. He took a bonus while AMC was so money-strapped they had to lay people off from their jobs. And then when AMC was saved, it would not exist today. AMC would have been bankrupt today were it not for that damn GameStop mean stock that AMC was the beneficiary of. And okay, great, take advantage of that. Adam Aaron had the audacity to get on stage at D23 that I was at, and I nearly got myself thrown out of, when he got on stage and took credit for saving the company. We're in great, it's like, you jackass, you are here by the luck of your ass. You mean CinemaCon. That, what did you? I say? D23. Sorry, it was at CinemaCon. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. At you see him everywhere. <laughs> I mean, he's so in your like, head. He has, Adam Aaron has done things that make me feel like he's a vile snake, even though he very well may not be. I, I, he could be a very, very nice person. But I've never looked at anything Bob Chapek has done and said, that was morally bankrupt of you to do. It may have been dumb. It may have been stupid. It may have been totally the wrong decision. It may have been incompetent. But he never did anything that made me feel like he was morally bankrupt. Yeah. Whereas Adam Aaron has, in my estimation at any rate. But that's just me. All right, what's next? Will Lambert says, with a clear mission focused on creative excellence to inspire generations through unrivaled, bold storytelling, Iger gets it. Iger gets it. <laughs> he understands that Disney is not just a corporation. Disney, for generations and generations, have been the place where dreams are made. You create family and bonding and lifelong moments with the stories that you tell. And that's why, for him... Being a people person, number one, and putting power into the hands of the creatives. Of course, there's a business element. Absolutely, there is. This is a business. But he understands that your business is best served when you saddle up with the creative forces. And you get people in creative positions, ask them to make great art, and then give them the authority to make that great art, and then support them when they do. That's something Chapek just didn't seem to get. He just tried to run it like the parks. He tried to run it like just another commodity. And, no, and I think you know, that's what led to his downfall. Disney hasn't always been where it was. I mean, this started with Michael Eisner and Jeff Katzenberg. Yeah, as you say, look back to Katzenberg you and know, Eisner. And, and, and I mean, I think back 40 years ago, 40 years ago uh, in July was the, the 40th anniversary of Tron. Disney couldn't even get their th movies into theaters then. They couldn't get the theaters to open because they had only made they made re-releases and stuff like the Black Cauldron. Disney was nowhere. It wasn't until Ariel came along and the Little Mermaid started a renaissance at Disney that carried all the way through the 90s and took them to where they are now. All right. What's next? Uh, we also have the support there from Jedediah. Oh, Jedediah Elias. Oh, Mark. oh, Mark. Mark24 Gaming with some support. Yay. Thank you, guys. And we're doing Will. We're good. Oh. Right there. My Comic Planet says, I heard even a lot of Disney execs didn't know, and you do it on a Sunday night before the holidays. That's some recession gangster type stuff right there. LOL. Yeah, again, this was a emergency meeting called by the board. I'm telling you, something else happened. Now, whether it was Feige and Kennedy and the heads of Pixar and Disney Motion Picture Group, whether they went to the board and said something, who knows? Whether another remarkable buffoon-like move was made that was said, this is the last straw. We got to make a change now. But you're right. The circumstances under which this has happened scream that there was another incident that we just don't know about. And maybe, I, I think we'll find out about in the coming months that there was something else that happened. Or maybe we'll never find out, but something else absolutely happened. Is the World Cup on ESPN? 
I don't know if it's on ESPN. I don't know either. I don't know if, because that's another gigantic event that turned into some a bit of a debacle for American sponsors like Anheuser Busch. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. So I don't know. It probably has nothing to do. No, with people it. are saying it's on Fox. It's on Fox. Oh, it is on Fox. Yeah. All right. What's next? I bet. I bet that board is wishing they made this decision before the renewal, though. Oh, absolutely. Would have saved oh, them man. a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. That's again is why I absolutely hundred percent believe something else has happened since then that has done this because that decision made and cost something a lot of, of money. great import. Yep, I agree. All right, what's next? Jay says, Rob, what are your feelings about the movie Gate? The Gate? The, I was just saying, there's the, a movie the called The Gate. With the, the creatures but... coming out the, from yeah. the 80s, the, the <laughs> Gate. I love The Gate, if that's what you're talking about. Of course you do, Rob. Um, <laughs> who doesn't love The Gate? All right, what's next? Matt Sanders with a $20 super Thank chat. you, Woo! Matt, so much. <laughs> Is this Bob Iger news the biggest news in your career, John? No, no. Uh, I, this is big, though. Bob Iger, the return of the king is is absolutely big. This is huge. I, I wouldn't say it's the biggest of my career, but it's absolutely significant. And uh, you know what? It's it's uh, it's it's uh, worth uh, celebrating. Mm. <laughs> What's next? Eden Goblin says, seen Terrifier 2, enjoyed it. It could have benefited from better editing. Over two hours long. Score was great. Intro music got me pumped when the midnight came on. Hey, man, that movie's a huge success for what it was. Taylor, you uh, you saw it. You liked it, yes? Yeah, I love Terrifier 2. You know what's crazy, though? So Terrifier 2 is like the most gory and bloody movie I've ever seen. And on Friday, I went and saw Bones and All. And for some reason, I, I did not expect it to be that bloody and gory, but what? I actually had to look away twice during it. But I, I oh, loved wow. Bones and all that. Really, okay. really good. Oh, all right. Good. What's next? Al Renshaw says, Iger Mbaku to Chepek, you bald-headed witch. <laughs> you bald-headed <laughs> demon. I, by the way, one of the best lines in Wakanda <laughs> forever. The way Winston Duke delivers so that line. Good. Is that great? Uh, now I want to imagine that's exactly how it happened. <laughs> Iger kicks in the room, you bald-headed demon. <laughs> I could totally see that. By the way, in case people are wondering, yeah, I, I mean, I don't actually drink. This is... Uh, these these guys emptied this bottle. This one's filled with water now, so... I can do that. Sure it is, John. He's just hydrating. He's <laughs> Just water. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher says, with the return of Iger, how soon should we expect reversals? Getting rid of those middleman positions? Will he stretch out the MCU slate so Feige isn't stretched so thin? Could Born Again still be TV MA? Um, I don't I don't believe for a second that Born Again is gonna be TV MA. I, I, I don't believe I don't believe that for a second. Um I think the behind the scenes changes will happen rather quickly. I mean, remember. He's only got two years to, to get everything right. in place. So you got to start by undoing the damage that has been done. And I think that's going to be the first thing he starts with. And whether we hear about it in the news or not, I, I don't know. It might keep this very quiet. But yeah, I think those internal changes will happen fairly quickly. Yo, can I get a Barbarian 4K disc, please? It's not coming out on physical media. Physical dead. media. Come on, yeah. man. Uh, give it give it to a second side or somebody. Come on now. All right, Disney what's price next? is going to be rolled back and we're going to have more magic keys or just get rid of all the magic keys and just have passes again so I can go every day. But don't but seriously though <laughs> a big part of this a lot of fans of the parks are going to be keeping their eye on this saying how is this going to affect the parks? Yeah. What's he going to do to fix the experience at the parks? Because that's going to be a big part mm. of his job. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, they probably won't roll back the prices. <laughs> I but, know. <laughs> but uh, take away the park reservation and the ride reservation. So it's yeah. just like, buy a ticket, go. Yeah. I mean, hey, now that the Mandalorian is at Galaxy's Edge with Grogu, 
I'm telling you, things are going to turn around. And Mbaku. I haven't met him at the park yet, so that needs to happen. All right, what's next? <laughs> JCSC says, may be overreaching, but the introduction of the Green Ranger was a decent take on a redemption story for kids. Mm. You may have done bad things, but you can always do some good for others and the future. That's, that's a really good observation. Yeah. Like for a lot of people that age, you don't see a lot of those types of stories, no. right? I mean, they've become a little bit more commonplace today, but at that time, mm. a villain joining the good guys was not a common story trope done at the time. So yeah, that's a really good observation. I like that a lot. All right, what's next? Late Night Alum says, with Iger returning, does this mean no more middlemen for Feige to report to and he regains his decision-making powers to re-steer the MCU back? Bring on the filthy. I forget, it. Alan Horn's former co-chair is now kind of has Alan Horn's old job. So my guess is, remember back in the glory days, it was, first of all, it was Kevin Feige reporting to Ike Perlmutter. They got rid of Perlmutter. So Kevin Feige only answered to Alan Horn and Alan Horn only answered to Bob Iger. That was it. That was the org chart right there. I think it'll get back to that now. I think you'll see Kevin Feige will have full creative control of Marvel. He'll get to make a lot of the decisions. He will still have people to answer to, but I think it's only going to be the name of the guy who I forget is in Alan Horn's old job and Bob Iger himself. And I think those are the only two people in that org chart that he answers to again. And that will be a lot more uh, appealing to a Kevin Feige than I think it has been for the last two and a half years. And maybe Bob Chapek will go to work for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I hear they need people now. <laughs> All right, what's next? Joe with a $20 super chat says, hello, John and Rob. I want. I went to the theaters yesterday and she said the menu, bones and all, is a triangle of sadness. What a disturbing, gross and entertaining day that was. Uh, wow. Yeah, listen, I, by the way, she said, as I said on this show, was not going to do well. It did not do well. It made no. like two something million dollars the box. <laughs> How many op-eds have we now read about that? Why did this movie... Fail. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, we I told you it was going to fail because they, they haven't marketed it well. It just looked like a heavy, heavy thing without showing us the heart of the movie. And it, by the way, it's quite a good movie. It, it really is quite Everyone a good movie. Everyone says it's one of the best of the year. To, to me, it's about a half hour too long, so it has pacing issues, but it's quite a good movie. The menu is fantastic, and I cannot wait to see Bones and All. Bones and All is one of the ones I'm really, really excited to see with Timothy Chalamet. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But this sounds like a good time, even if it's kind of a heavy time at the movies. All right, what's next? Assistant Professor X says, Papa Iger is <laughs> I love that. We are wearing our party hats here too, John. Can't wait for the new Marvel barbecue. Phase <laughs> five is finally free to be lean and cool again. Well, and, and listen, don't forget, I mean, there's a lot of movies already in the pipe that were made under the old regime, what is now the old regime. So, and there's a lot that haven't. It's going to be interesting to see if Iger's back, if a couple things happen. Do Star Wars movies start getting put into the production line again? Does, does uh, 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 not Morbius, uh, Blade, does Blade find this, does Iger get, step in now and start making some decisions, allow certain things and greenlight certain things and act certain things that can get Blade finally up and running again properly? There's still a lot of things that this can affect. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of effect that has. But, the movies that are already in production, and those are going to be kind of be free of Iger's influence, unfortunately. I'm willing to bet a Star Wars movie goes into pre-production by March. I agree. I agree. At least one. At least one. I think Iger's going to step back in and say, 
I spent $4 billion buying Star Wars for this company. We need to be putting out product. Yeah. So get that back goes on. on to Disney Plus, which also was my baby. Yep. All right. <clears throat> what's next? As Sith Lord, oh, a Sith Lord says, I went to my local comic shop and was flipping through the boxes and found the boys. And yo, this comic is so awesome, bloody and downright diabolical. Can't wait for season four, by the way. Happy yeah, Monday. It, that comic, I I have the run of, it's, it is exactly that. It's more bonkers than the show. You know what I, by the way, yeah, I, I, although I think the show is better than the comic. <laughs> I do too. I recently reread the, the, I can't remember which one it was, but it was years, years later after the events that we've seen in the show where, um, what's the main character's name? Uh, the one that sh that's modeled after Simon Pegg. Uh, the oh, main character's uh, um, name. Uh, Huey. Huey. Where it's like years later, Huey and Starlight are now living overseas and it's been years and stuff like that. That was a really good run. Yeah, no, they, they, the comic, uh, it was... When it was first, it just got over the top. It just was too much. And you're like, come on. Tone right. it down, buddy. What's next? Digo V says, do you think Iger brings Peter Rice back? I would not be surprised. I, I wouldn't. Now, remember, you got to make room for him. You're going to have to create a position for him. And it all depends on what does Peter Rice have going now. Peter Rice may have gotten himself. I honestly do not know where Peter Rice is right now, but for all I know, he's now got himself in the middle of a passion project that he's not going to want to leave. But yeah, I think if, if Peter wants to come back, I know Iger trusted him a lot. If Peter wants to come back, I think Iger will probably find a spot for him. All right. What's next? Chef Rigo. Chef, Chef Rigo. Rigo. Chef Rigo, make that head Chef Rigo. Got promoted and I'm so excited. Oh, for wow. The also, shout out to my friend Natalie, who's also a fan of the show. Yeah, but does that mean if we go now, you're not going to be our chef at our table? Because oh, now yeah. you're head chef. You're no. going to be in the back. Do you know why he got promoted? Bob Probably Iger. because of us. Bob Iger. <laughs> Bob Probably Iger. because of us. But listen, I'll tell you right now. If if the John Campy Show crew comes in, the head chef better damn well come out. Yeah, and that's right. Because we go to we go to that restaurant for the Chef Rigo experience. That's yep. true. So we better get that Chef Rigo experience. Yep, yep. All right. What's next? <laughs> the Swifties says Del Toro's Pinocchio was devastatingly crushing. It tackled death, love, imperfect fathers and sons, and war, and was a beautiful church work of art. And Ewan was great as Sebastian Cricket. Is great. Yeah, they. I heard that they played it at a couple of Regal cinemas, like yeah. just a handful of Regal cinemas. I didn't get. Obviously, none of us have seen nope. it. But, I mean, anything's got to be better than the one Disney put out. Anything's got to be better than the one Disney put out. But, yeah, I mean, he, it looked definitively like Del Toro's style and all that kind of stuff and something that we're really looking forward to seeing. I'm glad you saw it, and thank you for the recommendation, man. And, all right, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much, guys, for being here and making the show part of your day. Don't forget, guys, we do this show every day, Monday through Friday at 10 30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, talking about our favorite things in the world of movies. Make sure you guys come back. Click that subscribe button. Make sure you click the thumbs up button as well. Leave a comment down below. All these things help push our videos out to an even wider audience. So thank you guys so much for being here. And a big special thank you to all of you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. A little bit of a programming note. Mondays is normally when the Weekly Hero would be live at 3 p.m. However, you guys have noticed Chris Carr is not here. She's off, I believe, in Texas right now. So she'll be back later this week. But instead of doing Weekly Hero without her, we're going to just skip Weekly Hero this week. It'll be back on Monday. But that means Rob and I are going to do an open mic 
today at three o'clock Los Angeles time. That's 6 p.m. New York time. You got some more things you guys want to talk about. All we do is hear from you guys and take your thoughts, theories, and questions. So make sure you come back and join us at three o'clock. All right, guys. So for everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, having joined you guys in the live chat, getting ready to do the 30-year anniversary of movies graphics, Ray Laura. <laughs> Sitting back there, we got Taylor Gonzalez still blowing the party horn. We coast got running the show today, Jonathan Boyko, and Alu Moana was here with us as well. My name's John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends, Big Papa Iger. <laughs>